fantastic. I wanted to say just kind of as a preface that um, for those of you uh, in the chat or those watching who, who, who have watched an episode of Piper's Notes and watched maybe two or three of them, perhaps you'll find that the things that we echo in that, sh in that particular project are, are similar. And that's because in my household and, and, and Will and Gary share this philosophy, we feel like wrestling is, is not a marginal performance sport. We feel like it is the main, in the mainstream a performance sports and arts, just like any other form, you know, whether it be Broadway, uh, rock and roll, you know, other forms of athletics, this is, this is high culture. And, uh, no, there's no better way to illustrate that than with the seven levels of hate, because when you get the seven levels of hate, you're getting a classic, a, a classic excursion into Greek mythology. You're getting Ben-Hur, you're getting a, a, a fantastic tale a tale that that's really steeped in and rooted in two guys who had similar upbringings, were from similar communities, who knew each other in high school, competed each, each other perennially for years, and then emerged uh, over the course of uh, a couple years as just uh, natural opponents. And this feud that broke out in, uh, in, in about the year 2011, 2012, was something that a screenwriter could not write better. And, and, and it's because it's real. I mean, these guys really did grow up in the same, you know, communities in Chicago. They really did compete each other, against each other. They really did have a lot of uh, personal competitive edge. They did go to the same wrestling school. They did train together more or less. They did have similar backgrounds. And they were natural rivals. And so anytime they met in the ring, they really did pull that, competitiveness and there really was real intensity between the two of them wanting to bring out the best and really challenge each other to be the best in the world which is what the the world's championship represents and so if you want to talk about pro wrestling being up there with any other any other form of performance sport or art the seven levels of uh, levels of hate is the best illustration i can think of it is fantastic storytelling Absolutely. and as somebody with with as i said earlier no context for this really. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know any of the history watching this. I was just the whole time I was like, how did I not know this? This is one of the greatest wrestling stories ever told the greatest feuds, the greatest, like, you know, you know me, I'm big on storytelling and that's what wrestling is as ultimately it's storytelling. And the, the story told by what we're about to get into is second to none. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into it, but you, you guys will see. And if you haven't watched the documentary, we posted some links to it. It's over on Adam Pierce's, um, YouTube channel. It's, uh, like two hours or so well worth it. It could have been another two hours and I still would have been engaged. Um, it's, it's just a great story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as these guys were just talking about today, we're going to be delving into another installment of a series we call The Feud. Uh, as you know, The Feud takes some time to delve into one of the great rivalries in wrestling's past, and it walks you through who was involved, how it began, what happened, and the impact it had on the business. Now, obviously, the NWA is famous for spectacular feuds, many of which are considered legendary in the world of wrestling. Not unlike last time when we discussed the epic Ric Flair versus Sting feud leading up to their Great American Bash at, uh, match at 1990. 
that rivalry is probably one of the most well-known in history as it came like right when wrestling was hitting its peak in terms of like visibility and popularity. Today's feud is a little bit different in that it comes during a period of time when the NWA was a little less, less known. In fact, this period of time we've often seen now referred to as the wilderness years. Uh, although some find that term disrespectful and, uh, and maybe Stinson has some history here. I was even trying to look up like, why is it called the wilderness years? And, I, and all I can figure is that it's just, uh, it's, it's just lost time considered, or, or it was less visible right. for most. Jay Cal thinks that I coined the term. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, I, I didn't coin it. I think that speak I speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. Yeah. Speak <laughs> of the devil yourself. <laughs> well, look at those. Look at that. I, I was I was telling J. Cal, I was like, I, I didn't, uh, I, and this was in the chat. I was like, I think that I, I want to say that I heard Dave Marquez use this, referring to that time when Tharp was uh, had had was more or less. Marquez the shot. was on the show and he had no idea what we were talking about when we said the wilderness years. Well, he may not. He own may it, have Rob. just said it. Just own it, Rob. I, I mean, so I'd maybe, love to own it. I mean, it, it, because it's in so much use now, I'd love to be like, I'm the man who coined it, but I know I heard it. I, and I'm pretty sure I heard Marquez say it. And it, it might have not have been deliberate, and it may have not have been, you know, a thing that was, you know, it may have just been a stream of conscience type thing, but I think I'm pretty sure I heard him say that with regard to Thark. So, yeah. and so this would have been even later than this era, slightly later. Uh, but we, we have generally used the term, uh, to refer to that period of time when the NWA didn't have major television deals and was more or less out there doing the independent circuit and didn't have the notoriety. But I don't look at that term at this period as anything like you were saying, Gary, it's not a slight. I mean, I think this is one of the most vibrant periods in the NWA history. Uh, Adam Pierce. And my I just said some people could take it disrespectfully, but I, well, the reason I say that is because I think a lot, a lot of people were working very hard during that time. And they Absolutely. were making For a sure. lot of effort. Uh, so, uh, folks, we want to take a second, by the way, uh, to welcome to the show right now, right as we're getting started, jumping into this very topic uh, today on our episode of The Few, uh, Mr. Jason Cayley, uh, uh, J-Cal, as we like to call him, from the Alliance blog. If you guys haven't checked that out, you got to. Welcome to J-Cal. Hey, 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 fellas. You know, I think somebody hit that Alliance uh, logo up in the sky. And that's why I jumped on because I knew that uh, you guys wanted to speak to somebody who lived that era, who was a part of that era. Hell, I was in five seconds of the documentary. So I had that going for me. That was my favorite part. <laughs> your, wife, your wife took many of the photos in the documentary. Yeah, she did. And it's, it's, it's funny. So um, do I have a second to tell an Adam story? An Adam Pierce story? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, wait, wait. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Actually, Jay Cal, if you have a second, let me get there real quick. Yeah, Because absolutely. I want to get to what we're talking about. I was doing the little lead to the thing. Uh, basically, I got to the point saying this. You know, we were talking about Sting and Ric Flair. Woo! And uh, that was our last feud that we discussed, kind of. We've also talked about Aldis and, uh, and uh, Cody but like today's a little different and it comes to this time, this period of time we call the wilderness years. But anyway, at the end of the day, I think the main reason this time period is known as such is because it's a period where the popularity of the NWA was uh, at a different level than the heights it had been used to at one point. And with the rise of other major wrestling promotions, easy access to multiple options via cable and let's face it, 
uh, other major factors. Sabbath True, the NWA championship wasn't as highly regarded as it once was. Now, let me establish what I say that, by the way, that's not a universal opinion. And a lot of minds and hearts, uh, most certainly right here on this show, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship always has and will be the most prestigious wrestling championship of all time. And even though the visibility may not have been what it once was, there were tons of men and women working their asses off to try to make it reach the former glory. Uh, people like uh, our friend of the show, David Marquez, uh, bloggers documenting the story. I even put that in my notes to make sure to mention J. Cal right here, who's on the show. I was like, J. Cal was capturing uh, the moment right when they were happen happening. He was he was there. He was watching. He was paying attention. And in the ring, that was the case as well. The people competing for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship still considered it a top prize in the industry and a part of history. In fact, during this time, the men that fought over this title would do anything to obtain it, much less what they would do to keep it. And that's why today we're talking about a feud that despite being a little less known than Flair Stinger, Cody Aldis, is one that I submit is absolutely one of the great feuds in NWA history. Today we're talking about Scrap Iron, Adam Pierce versus Colt Boo Boo Cabana at the seven levels of hate. Uh, J. Cal, please. Let us have. I just wanted to give it that proper introduction to say exactly who and what we're talking about here. But you, you tell us your Adam Pierce story. Okay, so you guys, I've been at this for many, many years. It's not hyperbole. I've been doing it since about 2007, right? Um, I was following the NWA as a blogger, and it, this was probably even before I. You could classify me as a blogger. I was writing about the National Wrestling Alliance. A little known website called SoCal Uncensored. Um, SoCal Uncensored has been around since 2000, so it's really 20 years, and it's been one of those sites that's been um, at times very divisive, but at other times uh, very, uh, very important to the history of uh, independent wrestling, especially in Southern California. So, David Marquez is promoting wrestling uh, through the Anoki Dojo. Uh, I'm watching his shows. I'm I'm getting uh, acclimated with his audience. Um, you know, I, I've been watching Adam Pierce throughout the years. He's wrestling at Millennium Pro Wrestling. His first match in Southern California was against Brian Kendrick. Back then, we called him Spanky, and he was really making his ways uh, throughout Southern California. Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Um, Adam Pierce had this great feud with uh, Frankie Kazarian over that Pro Wrestling Gorilla Heavyweight Championship. Um, Adam Pierce was wrestling for uh, Ultimate Pro Wrestling, which was uh, kind of like a, a lower uh, lower WWE development. And, I mean, that's the place that found guys like uh, John Cena, uh, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, again, Frankie Kazarian, um, and it was kind of like a, a breeding ground for future WWE talent. And, and so Adam Pierce was their champion. I mean, he was really kind of building up in Southern California. So around 2006, when the NWA is starting to, to do arena shows, they're starting to become, uh, with especially with David Marquez doing uh, these bigger events, I started, uh, I started talking to Adam, not face-to-face. -face. You know, back then, everything was through, you know, maybe back even then, MySpace. And so we started messaging, started developing a rapport, and... This schlub who had this awful podcast and this very 
hardly known website, um, reached out to him and said, hey, man, I really dig what you're doing. You, you've got this title. You're, you're touring the country. Let's celebrate it. Let's talk about it. And so he agreed to come on my podcast. And at the time, he was the biggest get I ever got. Um, he was very transparent, very cool to work with. And so we had this great conversation. Now, keep in mind, we've never met face-to-face yet. That's cool. I mean, that's how it is for most people. So in the summer of, um, gosh, I guess it was like uh, 2008, um, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, then still going by NWA Pro Wrestling, uh, put on a series of shows. It was basically a tour, and they were using that footage to eventually do the pitch for what would become Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And uh, they did a show in Oceanside, California, which... This just happens to be the cover of that show. Um, Then they did a show in Yuma, Arizona at the desert. I think it was Desert Springs or Desert something or other. A little minor league baseball field in the middle of summer when it got to be like 115 during the middle of the day. And uh, so Michelle and I, my wife, we went on that this road trip to go to the, each show. So they did one in Oceanside, they did one in Yuma, and then they were going to do one in San Bernardino. So, you know, basically San Diego, California, uh, Yuma, Arizona, and then back in San Bernardino, California, which is not far from where I live. So we did we did this road trip with them. We kind of we didn't like stay with them, but we just kind of hung out in the same same city. Well. During the middle of the sh- of the show, where Adam Pierce he, he was wrestling Sean Waltman, Pierce wins the title. Everything's cool, right? We're like, wow, this is amazing. Um, my wife get, gets bored. She hands me the camera. She goes, "I'm gonna go for a walk." I'm like, okay. And I'm I'm watching Blue Demon uh, wrestle his match, and she goes, she walks over and she sees Adam Pierce, who's just kind of changed. You know, he's just kind of he just had his match. He's just kind of hanging out, and she goes. Hi, Adam, because my wife is very much an extrovert. I'm very much an introvert, so we kind of a yin and yang type deal. And she goes, she goes, uh, she goes, hi, Adam. And this, that time she was my girlfriend. I'm Jay Cal's girlfriend. And she and, and Adam jumps up. Jay Cal, Jay Cal's here. Send him over. Send him over. And we had never met at this point, right? So I walk over to him, and I'm I'm very introverted until you get to know me. Until I get to know you, I guess. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And you know, I'm I'm playing it very low key. I I'm not the guy that usually gets photos with the wrestlers or asks for autographs or anything like that. I'm I'm very, I respect your space, you respect mine, but my wife is the opposite. So we're hanging out with talking to Willie Mack and Adam Pierce, and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing after the show? And I'm like, well, we're gonna go back to our hotel. And he goes, we're gonna go to Applebee's. You want to meet us there? I'm like, well, hell yeah, I want to hang out with Adam Pierce at Applebee's. So we roll, and and uh, and I was familiar with David Marquez, and I did have a relationship with David Marquez at that point. I was supposed to go hang out with David Marquez and pretty much the rest of the crew from, from NWA Hollywood, uh, NWA Pro Wrestling, whatever you want to call them. But I ditched those guys to go hang out with Adam Pierce at the Applebee's. And I think I made the right decision. I think he probably did, too. Uh, considering you've, you've still got a relationship got that, with David. They got that bourbon street steak, boy. They got that bourbon street steak at Applebee's too, man. Brother, I was just drinking beer and eating French fries. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. So this is what, what's good about having Jay Cal here for this part of it is that I, I've got like a linear like set of ideas of where this discussion goes, but I'm obviously tackling this as an independent outside researcher, just trying to go in and piece together what I can. And so it's going to be cool. It's like, I'm sure that there are places just like if we were talking about Flair and Sting and had JR on the podcast, he would have been able to tell us some things we weren't thinking of at the time. So uh, Jay Cal, if I say anything that just sounds completely off, feel free to wait, to wait, wait, wait. Did you just liken me to Jim Ross? Knock that shit I off, man. Did. I ain't that guy. I ain't that guy. <laughs> I ain't that I guy. I just compared you to Jim, Jim Ross. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, uh, we, we always like to establish, by the way, up front, that was a cool story about Adam Pierce from Jay Cal there. We're, I'm sure there's more that Jay Cal can let us in on, but. Uh, we always establish up front on these two that uh, the feud series is not like a deep dive into individual careers. Uh, that's another segment we hope to get to someday. That said, uh, it would be an injustice not to like contextually not to dive into the history of these two men just a little bit. Uh, so if, you know, there might be some skipping around, but uh, in, in our previous feuds, it's been kind of fun to discuss how two wrestlers featured had paths that were completely di- different or analyze and discover how they might mirror or parallel each other in some ways, like we did with Aldis and Cody. Uh, but uh, special analysis analysis isn't really necessary here because, like Rob said uh, at the top of the show, uh, the journey with the seven, seven le- levels of hate uh, begins with Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana and essentially them being in the exact same place uh, right from the beginning. And... Uh, that place would be the North shore of Chicago. Uh, Pierce is playing high school football at, uh, at Waukegan. I think he said in Colts at Deerfield, their high school football teams literally play each other every single year. And that's how far back they go. So these guys know each other from the get, uh, Adam Pierce, I think would actually start trading and, uh, wrestling his first match graduated from high school. Uh, but somewhere along the way, he ended up falling in with uh, Steel Dominion, run by Ace Steel and Danny Dominion. Uh, and it was here that Pierce would uh, hone his craft and eventually assist with training as well, uh, which would become especially notable because a little while later, he was going to be joined by some fresh new babyface students in the form of Colt Cabana and guys like CM Punk. Right. Rob, I see you got something well, I was, there. I wonder when, when Colt Cabana joins this 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 school about four or five years later he already he already has a certain opinion fixed in his head about about adam pierce because adam pierce is from waukegan which is which is a little bit beneath the social status of deerfield uh deerfield is much more affluent uh colt cabana makes no bones about the fact that he lived more of a privileged um upbringing and that they looked at the waukegan people as much more industrial and and um you know, hard scrapple, as it were. Not, not that he was trying to be insulting, but, but they always look down like, you know, these are these are the the industry boys, and we're the we're the, you know, we're the kids that have the opportunities and stuff. And so I wonder they they played now now Adam Pierce. I don't know if you remember in the documentary, Adam Pierce makes a point to say, yeah, we whooped them every time we played them. So that has to be in their minds when they confront each other at <laughs> at at. at uh, still Dominion, you know what I mean? Where where we've got this uh, this this community rivalry. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm an athletic director. That's what I do for my job. I'm a high school administrator and athletic director, and we have 
we have a couple of big rivals, but our big rivals right down the road at Heritage High School. And we look at them as they're the, they're the prissy, very privileged, you know, affluent kids. And they don't know what it's like to, 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 to live and walk the tough life. Our boys are tough. They've lived a tough life. And so I feel like that's what Adam Pierce's mentality must have been as uh, this, you know, this prissy boy from Deerfield comes into his school and, uh, and wants to make a name and later wants to make a name at the expense of Adam Pierce. So that's just a little psychology. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to think of it that way. Now, I mean, from everything I saw, though, too, they, you know, they eventually became very good friends. Um, you know, so despite whatever the first impressions were, uh, I think even during that time in Steel Dominion, uh, Colt, uh, Pierce, and uh, CM Punk were actually, like, pretty tight as a faction, even, like, wrestling sometimes and just, like, buddy-buddy. Um, so, you know, they eventually learned to at least respect each other pretty heavily, it seems like. Um, now without hanging out too much in that area, unless you guys have something, I was going to say that, I mean, a lot of them did, uh, they, they broke in like really wrestling in like the Milwaukee region. Um, and eventually as things go, uh, they would have to part ways like as they all pursued their career a little bit further. I think Colt actually even went on to college to like, uh, play football there for a little while. And, um, uh, but both men ended up still pursuing wrestling interests. And long story short, they'd cross paths again uh, when they both ended up in uh, Ring of Honor uh, during uh, its, its beginning glory days, back in like uh, 05, 06, right around there. Um, now, uh, J.K., you could probably help me with this name. I think during, during around this time, specifically about May 13, 2007, NWA Executive Director Bob Trobik, Trobit, Trobich, 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 that's how he said. All right. Uh, this was around the time the NWA started severing ties with TNA. So for those of you who knew about the NWA TNA stuff, uh, this was when they decided to cut ties with them. I think David Marquez was a part of that at that time as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that left the NWA World Heavyweight Championship had the NWA World Tag Team Championship, all of that vacant. Uh, shortly after this, they decided to hold the Reclaiming the Glory Tournament. Uh, this was kind of fun because I actually got to ask J. Kyle a little bit in the pre-pre-party for his show today about Brent Albright, who was in this tournament. Um, and it was, it was because I was researching this part and his name came up and I, I saw him pop up a lot, so I was curious about this guy. Uh, but anyway, they announced the Reclaiming the Glory Tournament. Uh, to crown a new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. So they chose 16 men uh, to compete in the tournament with matches taking place throughout the National Wrestling Alliance members and affiliates, uh, as well as selected matches in non-affiliated groups like Shikara, New England Championship Wrestling, IWA Puerto Rico. Uh, it was kind of cool, though. That I was looking at the setup of this thing. They had like the Luthez bracket, the Terry Funk bracket, yeah. the Jack Briscoe bracket, Harley yep. Race bracket. I thought that was that was pretty sick. Uh, so so here are the names that got thro thrown in there just in the first round. Uh, Glamour Boys Shane versus Fred Sampson. Now, Fred Sampson, you know better now, is Darren Young, I yep. believe. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then Brent Albright uh, versus uh, Osamu uh, Nishimura. And, can, I, can I bring up a point about Osamu Nishimura? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he was one of the few guys that was part of the tournament to crown the world champion after Shane Douglas threw the belt down. 
So he actually had some history and tradition with the NWA, which is really cool that that was uh, someone they wanted in that tournament because he was connected to the last big tournament to crown a world's heavyweight champion. No, I love that. That's uh, that's exactly what I'm looking for here because I, I bring it all this up because I love these little interconnections that, that all of these things have. Uh, in the Terry Funk bracket, you had Pepper Parks versus Claudio Castagnoli, uh, who people would know better as Cesaro. Um, and uh, Sico Delico Jr. versus Roughneck Ryan. Um, and then in the Jack Briscoe bracket, you had Brian Danielson, who we all know as Daniel Bryan, uh, versus Nelson Creed. Uh, Mikey Nichols and Fergal Devitt, who is known as Finn Balor nowadays. Um, you had Damian Wayne and Chad Purham, or Parham, Parham. and Adam Pierce, Parham, and uh, Adam Pierce and Aaron Aguilera. So that those were your members of the uh, tournament here. So uh, it would go I, on to. Can, can yeah, I say one ahead. more thing? I, I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I I feel like oh, this. Oh no, is, that's what. Uh, feel um, free. Pepper Parks uh, also is uh, Brandon uh, Braxton Sutter. I believe he wrestles in AEW. You guys can correct me. Braxton Sutter, oh, nice. anyone? Yeah, that sounds familiar, and I'm I'm. Uh, Let's see. I'll just uh, I'll type him in right. I'm, here I'm so looking it up right now. At us. <laughs> oh no, he's in the Forgotten Sons. Is that? Or no, no, he's the Blade. He's the Blade. That's it. Yeah, in the Butcher is. and the Blade. There you go. In the Butcher of the Blade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it ended up uh, Adam Pierce advanced, Chad Parham advanced, Finn Balor advanced to face Daniel Bryan, which is interesting, you know, just looking back now. Uh, Claudio and Cicadelico, Fred Sampson, Brent Albright. Uh, just to skip ahead in the tournament a little bit, uh, it ended up Brian Danielson faced off against Adam Pierce, and Brent Albright was up against Claudio Castagnoli. So uh, Brent Albright ends up beating Cesaro essentially, and uh, Daniel Bryan ends up beating uh, Adam Pierce in the tournament. So your main event for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship should be Daniel Bryan and Brent Albright, but a week prior to the finals of the tournament, uh, Bryan Danielson suffered a, fractural, a fractured orbital bone in a match with a Japanese fighter named uh, Takeshi Morishima. Morishima. And, and so here's something that I – and I'm sorry to get interrupted, but Morishima Don't apologize the guy. anymore. I'll try not to. Morishima was your Ring of Honor World Champion. And prior to this tournament that kicked off, Daniel Bryan was somewhat collecting. I say Daniel Bryan. I hate that. Bryan Danielson was collecting championships around the world. And he was the uh, World Series of Wrestling heavyweight champion. Uh, and it felt like he was going for the trifecta. If you were a fan at that time, you knew, okay, well, this Australian title, that's not super meaningful, but that's a heavyweight championship. And then he's going for the Ring of Honor championship. And then a week from that, then he's got the NWA finals. I mean, he could be a triple crown before you know it. And honestly, that was having a message board in that era, which still exists today. That's what we were talking about. We thought Daniel Bryan... Ryan Danielson was going to come into uh, after 
the reclaiming the glory, holding ten t- or three titles. Excuse me, the ten pounds of gold, the Ring of Honor Championship, and the World Series of Wrestling uh, Championship. So, didn't happen like that because more Morishima just kind of you know happened to pop Daniel Bryan in a right spot. It broke his orbital bone. People thought he was going to lose his eye, and the diagnosis initially was much, much worse than what the prognosis ended up being. Nice. Uh, that's interesting information. So, yeah, and it would be really cool to think back, like, what what if uh, Brian Danielson had won the uh, 10 pounds of gold there? But um, uh, like Jake Cal said, unfortunately, that's not what happened. Uh, as a result, Adam Pierce was reinserted into the tournament uh, to take – Danielson's place uh, in the finals. Danielson, uh, wearing a protective eye patch, did have a hand in the match. He came in. He was a special enforcer uh, during the finals uh, to prevent interference from Adam Pierce's manager at the time. Uh, C. Edward Vanderpile was the yeah. name I got. Um, and uh, and actually, when the referee ended up getting uh, knocked unconscious during the match, Danielson did take over and counted the pinfall. Uh, but at the end of the day, Adam Pierce defeated Brent Albright. Uh, this was in Bayamon, Puerto Rico on September 1st uh, to win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship for the first time. Uh, now, despite the controversial victory, Pierce would go on to a lengthy and successful 11-a-month reign as a champion before he finally did end up losing it to Brent Albright on August 2nd, 2008 in New York City. Uh and in the years, uh, let's see, I'm tr- sorry, I'm trying to go through my timeline here. I was trying to give an update on like kind of where Pierce was during this time. Um, and uh, I could give you some insight. Yeah, he, he brought. OK, go ahead. So, I mean, at this point, uh, first of all, nobody thought Pierce was walking out of Bayman, Puerto Rico as champion. Um, again, because because Danielson was the chosen one. And Brent Albright was the runner-up. Of course, they thought they thought Pierce was basically a lame duck. And when he won, it was like, oh, damn. He's not going to hold that title for very long. And, of course, everywhere he went his first year, people thought, oh, he's going to drop the title. So when he went to Virginia to wrestle Damian Wayne, you got to remember back then Adam Pierce wasn't the name he is today. So when he went to West to, to Virginia to wrestle Damian Wayne, people thought, oh, well, da- now it's Damian Wayne's turn. He's going to get that belt. Or when he would go to West Virginia, and I, I know it sounds crazy, but uh, former WCW mid-card wrestler, the Maestro, who was booking that area at the time, I mean, Pierce would go to West Virginia, and you're like, oh, damn, the Stro's going to get the belt. It, and it, that was one of the uh, really cool things about that era is we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we, we all had predictions. We all kind of thought what was going to happen. But Pierce was like a rogue. He wasn't supposed to be the world's heavyweight champion. This was supposed to be Brian Danielson's time. So when Pierce's, you know, Pierce was based out of San Diego, California, and there's actually only one wrestling promotion in San Diego. And a misnomer from a lot of NWA fans was, oh, well, Pierce will just defend the title in California. His first year as champion, he had more defenses out of California than inside of California. So from the very get-go, Pierce was proving people wrong. And at, yep. right around that time is when um, the, the, uh, the eyes of Ring of Honor kind of fell upon Pierce. Um, they were scouting him, and not just as a wrestler, but uh, working in creative as well. He, 
he was booking um, a promotion in Southern California called AWS. And it was a very popular wrestling promotion. It was uh, getting a lot of acclaim. And based on kind of the storylines and the creativity that was happening there, along with his wrestling all across the U.S., um, it was time that Ring of Honor wanted to be in business with Adam Pierce. So um, when Brent Albright won the title, um, Adam was already a, a regular member on the Ring of Honor roster. And, and where they had that match was the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And, and even the owner of, of uh, Ring of Honor said that was the match of the year that year for Ring of Honor. And the booker at the time, Gabe Spolowski, who uh, is Evolve and, and all those uh, did Evolve. And I think he's now working for the WWE. Um, he didn't want that match on the card. And, 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 and Kerry Silken uh, kind of pushed the... Uh, pushed it and said, Hey, you know, we want to do this for, for Dave Marquez and the NWA for, for Adam Pierce, for Colt, uh, I was say Colt Kamana, for Brent Albright. We want to do this on this show. So it wasn't the main event, but you would think if you watched that match and the end of the match and the reaction of the crowd, you would think it was the main event. It's pretty interesting stuff. Like I, I think it gets looked over a lot or, or, you know, I wasn't aware of it. So, you know, for whatever that's worth, but yeah. Uh, you know, I, I read a lot about how Pierce would show up carrying something around in a briefcase. And then uh, in 2008, he was on the show and he revealed it was the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. He had the 10 pounds of gold there. And uh, it was the first time Ring of Honor recognized him as the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And uh, he actually ended up yeah, facing uh, the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, Nigel, Nigel. McGuinness. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they actually, in uh, that was June 27th, 2008, they fought, uh, and uh, he ended up winning, uh, let's see, Pierce defeated Nigel by disqualification in that match, so the NWA champion beat the Ring of Honor champion by disqualification. Uh, it was basically, uh, McGinnis had pinned Pierce to win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, but the decision got reversed because... The, it was an NWA match as well, and Nigel had thrown Pierce over the top rope, and uh, technically that was a disqualification. So, uh, so uh, Pierce ended up getting the win, and I uh, thought that was just kind of interesting stuff. But yeah, he was still at this time feuding with uh, Albright, and so I, I got really interested in Albright. I was asking uh, Jay Cal about him earlier because uh, they ended up going on, and uh, Britt Albright ends up on August second, two thousand eight, uh, defeating Pierce. Uh, via submission uh, to win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, and this was right after, by the way, somebody like Rob would probably appreciate, uh, the uh, NWA officials actually came out and presented Pierce with a, a, a new NWA championship <laughs> with the red leather. Like, and uh, it was repeating history, like when Jack Briscoe defeated Harley Race for the NWA uh, title and, uh, and Race got presented the thing by Sam Muchnick in 1973. So uh, anyway, and, those two feuding for like another year. And uh, the cool, the cool just, thing about that too is, is uh, Brent Albright was a wrestler based from Oklahoma, much like Briscoe. Um, and not only that, but um, recently somebody was uh, glorifying the red title, the red backed uh, 10 pounds of gold on Twitter. And Pierce said that was a shit belt. And, and the guy was like, how could you say that? And, and Dave Marquez is look, I paid for it. I know it was shit. And set, and oddly enough, that belt disappeared after, uh, after, after it was retired. So, and, and on the, uh, that history and tradition, uh, 
production that you appear on, J.K. I think someone referred to that as the Mickey Mouse belt or something like that. Yeah. Like, big, nasty, rich. <laughs> that just looks weird. The, the rumor is it was a, um, a belt made from Pakistan. And if, if you're a belt collector, you know that those are usually very poorly produced, very, uh, you know. <laughs> it, Rob was literally just telling us about his belt guy in Pakistan. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Um, <laughs> I got a guy that's uh, from Pakistan. Back to curtain. A, a Luther uh, Orville Brown belt. <laughs> well, not your guy, Rob. Obviously, you guy. you vetted your source. Uh, he's he's yes. an excellent uh, belt Man, maker. I don't own the sweatshop, dude. I don't own the sweatshop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty positive my uh, ten pounds of gold is from Pakistan, though. So for what that's worth. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's that's. I think that's the same one I have there. Mine, uh, mine was made in China. China, yeah. Okay. that's mine. <laughs> oh, have man. you defended that one yet, Jayco? Um, uh, I believe the fifth. Bring it on! <laughs> I'm challenging you right now. In Atlanta, I think it's just cool, man. That uh, through all this, you know, with uh, you know, with Adam Pierce kind of being an accidental champion almost that as it happens, he becomes like the last great NWA world champion, Gr- truly great world NWA champion before Nick Aldis came. And, and the, thi- and the well, thing about that too is, and I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to take over the show, but um, no, no. no, because that's definitely something I want to hit on, especially as we get into his feud with Colt Cabana, because I've never felt more connected to the Adam Pierce reign there. Uh, just 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 what the guy did like i i just respect that guy a lot i i think even if you ask pierce i don't think he really got into his run as world champion until about run number three and that's when things really got to like that triple third fourth level where it was just different and i i don't think his first run he would even admit to this it wasn't the best and i really think that the nwa was just saying what can we do? How can we make this work? And I think the long-term plan, if Danielson would, would have stayed had he not signed with the WWE, is that he was going to be world champion. If he never got injured, he was going to be world champion until WWE called. And then once that time came, Albright and Pierce would be groomed to be the replacement. The NWA didn't have the opportunity to groom anybody because even though Brent Albright was a former WWF wrestler, um, he used to be Gunner Scott uh, before he got before you know things got really big, um, you know he was fired and he working with Ring of Honor trying to get you know get back into the swing of things. So when you got Albright and Pierce, you know kind of vying for that number one number two spot after Danielson, but that that didn't happen. Danielson was gone, so they just went with Pierce and I think they said, okay, let's see what he can, let's see what the kid can do the first year. And I, I don't think he disappointed anybody. No, it's kind of like, it reminds me of like in the modern era, it's like Tim Storm, you know, we, when, when Tim Storm took the belt from Jack Stane, no one really quite knew what, what this meant, but he just prospered. He, he really thrived and had a great run there. And then what you were saying about uh, Pierce, not really under, really feeling it until about the third reign, I mean, I think all of us would say with that first Nick Aldis reign, it was, I mean, it was, it was a good run. It was a good run. It was you know, somewhat lengthy in terms of modern day title reigns, but 
it, it wasn't until the second really linked historic reign that started to see, oh, this is very important. We're, we're living through important times right now. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying there on the, that uh, Adam Pierce number three reign. Yeah, um, the, the thing, uh, you know, you're saying all this. I, but, but looking back on this now, I, I, I get what you're saying about, like, just the way it might have been perceived at the time. But, like, imagining the NWA championship, like, loving it like I do now, especially just back in Ring of Honor, especially during this time when, when like, that Ring of Honor roster was, like, a who's who. Like, it is ridiculous. Like, you know, when you're talking about guys, like, I think this was during the time of, like, uh, when I was looking, it was, like, Samoa Joe and CM Punk were there. And, uh, uh, God, who – well, Nigel McGinnis we mentioned earlier and just, like – uh, Daniel Bryant or Bryant Danielson and uh, Austin just, Aries, just, oh. Davey Richards. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so that's and why the, I was asking about Brett Albright. Cause I was like, who the hell is this guy? Why have I not even heard of this guy? And, and the thing is you probably saw him on SmackDown. Um, I mean, he was, he was a product. He came out of uh, the wrestling school in Hayward, California, which was responsible for a lot of guys uh, kind of trained by uh, Donovan Morgan. And um, have you guys seen the uh, beyond the mat documentary where they talk about the wrestling promotion in Northern California. Uh, a lot of those guys were, were responsible for doing these trainings and, and uh, Brent Albright was supposed to be a part of APW, um, but his group broke off. And at right around that time, he started getting dates working with um, pro wrestling Noah. So uh, his, his experience, I mean, from he, he goes from working in uh, this indie promotion in Northern California to working with pro wrestling Noah to getting signed to the WWE. And then like that, everything's gone. And now he's wrestling for ring of honor. And uh, you, the storyline with, and I know this is supposed to be about seven levels of hate, but the storyline with Brent Albright and Pierce as being running buddies in, uh, in ring of honor before the, before the NWA title came into the picture, you can look up the hangman and, and Pierce and, uh, uh, Brent Albright were a part of that. So it, it, it's really cool stuff, man. It's really, uh, really fun. And, and like you said, at that time, that ring of roster ring of honor roster was deep. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the first time the ring of honor recognized an NWA world champion because AJ styles was the last man to bring that belt to ring of honor. So if you look at just, just what ring of honor recognizes in terms of NWA champions, you've got AJ styles, Adam Pierce, Brent Albright, and our world's heavyweight champion right now. That's a pretty good company, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll just move along quickly because, yeah, we are getting to seven levels of hate. But I, I wanted so to sorry. dig into Adam Pierce a little bit. No, 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 no. It's not you. It's also me and, and all of us. Like, we're just having a good conversation. I think that's part of it, man. Um, and, and we want to give Pierce the credit he deserves here. Uh, this guy's a five-time NWA world's heavyweight champion. Um, yeah, Jake Cowles holding <laughs> up his, uh, his painted por portrait of Adam Pierce there. Um, now you but just yeah, show uh, off, yeah. you just show yeah, off. Village. I am. What else do I have? <laughs> what, what else can I show you? I'm just kidding. Pierce and Albright this. like feuded for like a year before Pierce, guy. like, uh, what's that? Oh yeah. The, your <laughs> idol. His baseball. His baseball shrine. <laughs> We'll save that for another show. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Pierce ends up winning it back from Albright eventually. He goes to Mexico City, takes this thing down there. He loses. He ends up dropping it to Blue Demon Jr. at one point. 
gets in a feud with him. Uh, he ends up winning it back from Blue Demon Jr. Uh, in a three-way. There's a uh, Jake House got a, a Lucha Blue Demon Jr. figure there. That's yeah, beautiful. Man. I'm actually kind of jealous of your collection there behind you. Um, oh, it's all falling and, down right now. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, he even did end up successfully defending the NWO World Heavyweight Championship against Brian Danielson at one point. So uh, I did see that. Uh, let's take a break from Pierce for just a second. Let's jump over to if anybody was concerned. Cobana is still out there. Uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about him briefly. Uh, and I say briefly because Colt Cabana is Colt Cabana. And this guy went everywhere. Like Colt, Colt was literally the journey pro wrestler. Ring of Honor, WWE, Scotland, Germany, France, PWG, Japan, Austria, OVW, Chikara. Colt was everywhere. Like Colt just did everything. And honestly, it's just, it's too much. It's too much to cover. <laughs> so, so. I just took the moment here to just in my notes to say, like, let's just jump over to Dave Marquez really quick because he starts coming into play uh, because he and Bob uh, Trobich. 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 Sorry. Uh, they've been running the NWA side of things at, in TNA before they decided to strip away. And Marquez started up NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. and uh, Or he was the president over there. Uh, and this show was going to develop syndication in the L.A. area. Which I know, at least to me, I, I was questioning like what that exactly means because it sounds like it's okay, like the LA area. But like when you look at the numbers here, like if you're in syndication in that area, like you are hitting a crap ton of people. Like this is this is a pretty big market to be hitting, and so it was getting a lot of eyeballs, uh, especially during this time, which was like just specifically dominated by WWE. And okay. and let me real quick because I am a Los Angelino kind of, um, right? I'm in that market anyways, and and I'll tell you the channel that it's on has been around for years. It, it, it it's it's like one of the Sinclair channels that I know that's across the country. Like it's not NBC, it's not ABC, it's not Fox or CBS, but uh, KDOC in Southern California is like a hallmark channel. It's been around for for centuries well, centuries maybe it's been around for a long time so um for it for wrestling and, and wrestling had always been on that network throughout the years too like they used to show uh california championship wrestling and before that they used to actually show videos from the um the uh, original nwa hollywood the tolos and and blassie and and stuff like that so to to have championship wrestling from hollywood on kdoc i know it wasn't their first choice they wanted to go with the uh the uh, uh uh, WB affiliate in, in uh, Southern California, but it wasn't a bad second choice. And in, in that relationship now has, has lasted for like over a decade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's a, I think for like people over on the East coast, like us, uh, we're, we're more on the Eastern side of the country. We don't realize just how big of a market this is and like how big of a share of the TV space this is uh, that it's, it's a pretty significant deal. And um, so when Marquez has this, I mean, and he talked a little bit about this when he was on this show, just about like, okay, you know, the, the NWA has, so I know how many people watch my stuff. Like there's, there's a lot of people. And uh, so it's just, it's just kind of cool to, you know, even if the YouTube views aren't there, they're on syndication, people do see them. And uh, 
it's just kind of interesting there, but it was enough to attract a guy like Colt Cabana, who is emerging as a star on his own right. And and this guy who you can ask almost anybody, I mean, a lot of wrestlers we've talked to or covered, uh, they'll credit Colt Cabana as being a guy who uh, I think Eddie King said, even when we were doing the research on him, even and credited Colt Cabana as being like the one of the first guy they really saw that was like, you can do this and not be in WWE. Like you can do this and not be signed to a major company. You can you can make something happen for yourself. Colt was starting his podcast, getting uh, a lot of listens there. His popularity was growing, and he was doing this all outside of the machine. And uh, but he saw this opportunity at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and uh, wanted to be a part of that. Um, and uh, basically, this. He joined up, and David Marquez and Adam Pierce also saw an opportunity with uh, with Colt. And I may be wrong here, but I think Adam Pierce actually had the book around this time. He started out as a booker at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Um, is that right? No, you 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 are right. He was part of the creative. Uh, obviously, um, he wasn't the head booker, but he definitely had a handle on uh, some of the matches. One thing I wanted to bring up, and and. I'm not trying to drag things out, but I think it's worth mentioning is that. So you guys remember wrestling society X. Yes. It was on MTV. Yes. A lot of like uh, car wreck type wrestling. There was a guy on that show called Matt classic. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, spoiler alert, but <laughs> Matt classic was Colt Cabana and the mask that he wore on that show was the mask of the mask spy master, which was a gimmick that he and Pierce used uh, wrestling in Southern California in matches where they had to be like a, uh, they couldn't be Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana. You know what I mean? So they were wrestling as heels and and it was kind of like the machines. Like you never knew who was going to be under that mask next. And so, I mean, again, going back to that, the long term history between the two, those guys were wrestling together for a long, long time. And so when Hollywood was happening, you know, and, and I also want to add to Wrestling Society X that Dave Marquez was one of the p- people involved with the whole process of that show. And when they started booking their arena shows in 2006, Colt Cabana was one of the guys they used twice on the card because one is Matt Classic and one is Colt Cabana. And so that Dave and, 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 and Colt Cabana developed this relationship. Dave had this relationship with with uh, obviously Adam Pierce. So when they brought everything together in Hollywood, they knew they needed some name stars. So like when that show first started, that show featured Rocky Romero, who, you know, was one of the best junior heavyweights in new Japan. When that show first started, Claudio Castagnoli was on the show. Um, and, uh, and of course on the very first episode, Colt Cabana is, is wrestling and, and literally calls out the world's champion on the first episode. Yeah, absolutely. That's a uh, uh, that's definitely where I wanted to go to. First of all, God bless Dave Marquez. I love that guy, uh, and he's he's he he deserves a, a a big plaque on the Hall of Fame of wrestling's wall. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I did bring up the Wrestling Society X, although I do remember that very distinctly. We should probably have a whole episode about that <laughs> because I remember. I was at the right age that like I thought like MTV or whatever is doing like a promotion and uh I was like this is this is going to be a rival <laughs> WWE like this is this is huge and it was nothing it was kind of 
don't know. We'll have to <laughs> take it. We'll not. have to take a deep dive on that sometime, Gary, because that that sounds like a fun show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, September 2010, uh, championship NWA championship wrestling from Hollywood starts, and it would become the central spot for NWA activity. Like Jake House said, Colt Cabana and all these other people would be on the show. Uh, somewhere along this way, like David Legata even jumped in as, as uh, part of the creative team as well. Like as the show went on, so uh, that's you know coming he, off of WWF or he, he was the other part of that formula where I said Adam wasn't ahead of the creative, but he was a part of it. Lagana was a part of that. That was that era that broke in. In fact, it was um, it wasn't just this show. It was the NWA Pro Wrestling before it became Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. They were doing the NWA Pro Wrestling Showcase. Lagana's a part of that picture. He's helping to do the storylines and the wrestling. They start off in Hollywood. Lagana's still part of it, but then obviously he had uh, commitments with Ring of Honor that took precedent. Now you mentioned a big part of this that I thought was really beautiful. Uh, that that you really get a good handle on when you watch the documentary about Seven Levels of Hate. But even as you read about this, you get more and more insight into one of the things you had uh, a good synergy with is guys like Marquez and Adam Pierce are involved in this. And one of the things that they see outside themselves that we see, like it's a similar story as now. So I could even see how it could be frustrating to see it happening now. And people not know that this is, this is like the uh, reinvention or, or like the resurgence of the same idea. These guys wanted the NWA to be at the top of, their game again they wanted it to be at the top level of pro wrestling they wanted the 10 pounds of gold to be the championship that was their goal they 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 were doing the same thing that lightning one billy corgan and dave lagana are doing right now they were trying this then and this is in 2010 and david marquez knew that adam pierce was the guy he was the guy that needed to have that title and adam pierce and david marquez knew that colt was the guy that needed to be chasing. And that's what they wanted because they knew that eventually once that, once you get there, Colt has that force behind him, that rising popularity that is just going to dominate. Once he can get his hands on the NWA title, this is going to bring eyeballs to the championship. And once again, NWA will mean something. And right. uh, got, so that was the goal. Yeah, they said something uh, to the effect that at, the, at that point he had he had over fifty thousand Twitter followers at a time when NWA had less than five hundred, and so um, you know it was Colt Cabana could bring a great amount of instant uh, credibility and attention. And and there there I was watching a podcast it might have been with Eddie Kingston. Crediting with uh, with uh, uh, crediting Cole Cabell and sell himself in a way that nobody else was. So, yeah, absolutely, and and, and you're absolutely right. He talks about having fifty thousand followers for the NWA had five hundred, um, and uh, he it led to a feud between Pierce and Colt that go down in history. But I mean, the thing is, is that like you you can see a lot of the same factors that you see right now happening here. I mean, you can even go back. If you start looking through the videos from this time and the stuff that's happening, you can even see uh, touches of 
like the the stuff that Lagana made famous on NWA Power and Ten Pounds of Gold. You can start seeing those little flourishes, the way that things are shot, the way things are done. It's all being done already in 2010, and uh, and they and they and they did it, man. They they really did do it. They built this thing up uh, using those same skills from everybody. Got this thing, uh, I, I even noted here, like, because I was really digging into the videos around this time, and I was saying, like, God is using the exact same skills he put in 10 pounds of gold. He's getting great documentation of this entire process. And on March 6, 2011, Colt Cabana fought Adam Pierce for the uh, NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, and he won in a hell of a match. Like, he beat Adam Pierce and won the title, and that place goes nuts. And, and, and from here, NWA was trending everywhere. Uh, a year-long build led to this moment, Colt Cabana beating Pierce, and the NWA was back on the mat. They're no longer a doormat. Clips were viral. Congrats poured in from all sorts of other wrestlers, even other promotions and companies acknowledging the win. And Colt was going to take world's heavyweight championship around the world use his fame as leverage get the title in front of so many different people the nwa prestige would be restored or that's what was supposed to happen but, uh instead six weeks later the nwa but, uh they decided to put the title on the sheik so there. so this this is uh <laughs> this is a uh, oh god it hurts so bad um i don't care for the sheik uh, if you guys have ever listened to me talk about the Sheik, uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a I'm not a fan. And this was a weird time for the NWA because it definitely was going through this growth, this weird phase. Um, just touching back on that match, um, this again was at a time Colt Cabana on the very first episode beats Peter Avalon. It's funny how he stuck around for so long. He beats Peter Avalon. Okay. And then he makes the challenge that he's going to he's gonna take on Adam Pierce and he's going to win that title. And you're right, this year-long feud, these, these, these attacks, these, these uh, sabotage, you know, all these, all these things are happening, building up the storyline in Southern California, the second biggest market in the United States. And here you go, boom. I was there in that crowd that night. I was, I, I, the electricity was amazing. That Hollywood crowd was so pro-cult. And which is funny because they're pro Pierce almost every other time, but the minute Colt Cabana comes out there, they just they feed on his energy. It was electric, and I this I was there at the building. There's like less than 500 people there, but I, if you're watching it, it feels like there's thousands. And and uh, you know, and, and and Cabana's promises the crowd on episode one: if I win the NWA World Title, I'm the first drinks on me. So of course, when he wins the World Heavyweight Champion. You get a parade of milkmen coming into the arena, handing out milk to everybody in the audience. It was the cheesiest, classiest, like, hey, Colt Cabana is a man of his word. And you're right. We thought we were going to get this uh, long, wonderful reign for Cabana. I mean, he was already booked to go to um, Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, He was booked. He had like two matches. And all because of a promise made to a promoter who had passed away. And I, that's where things get kind of, this is where things get kind of weird. Like Ed Schumann, who um, was 
more or less the heart of the heart and soul of the NWA wilderness era. One of those crazy guys, but uh, had a lot of heart and meant a lot to a lot of people. Dave Marquez often mentions him as a mentor like figure. Um, he was building up membership within the NWA. And one of the people he contacted was Joseph Chibibo, who was the promoter of pro wrestling fusion in Florida, who also happened to wrestle as the Sheik. And pro wrestling fusion had these elegant cards. It's Joseph uh, says, Samia now, right? Yeah. 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 And he, and he, MLW, I think. he had these beautiful, like, flyers, website, um, beautiful production like at the time his stuff was looking really good and he was using some of the top names because i guess you know florida is kind of a hotbed for pro wrestling so there were like a lot of bigger names appearing on his cards so of course a promotion like this could bring in a lot of positivity for the nwa it could make things uh really exciting uh joe joe kabibo the sheik also was uh so he was of course his own promotions champion he was the quote-unquote nwa florida champion he would then go on to win the nwa midwest champion which was again ed schumann's area so you know ed was trying to build him up he wanted the sheik to be something and uh, i guess part of the promise to get the sheik into the nwa was that he was going to get a run with that title and when ed schumann passed away everyone was like well that sucks and the sheik's like wait a minute there was a promise made and this is around this time, um, you know, he had, he had called out Blue Demon Jr. when he was champion. Those challenges fell on deaf ears. He wins the North American Championship, trying to make way. A lot of people are wanting to see this Adam Pierce versus the Sheik match because, again, you've got the, you know, our world's heavyweight champion versus this guy who seems to be pretty unstoppable. I mean, he's having these crazy matches in Florida. He's having death matches in Puerto Rico with uh, Savio Vega. He's your North American champion. Um, his Again, there a lot of high production values in his YouTube videos and stuff. So things were looking really cool. But then that all got sidetracked. And you've got Colt Cabana, Adam Pierce. You're thinking, man, this is it. This is finally going to happen. And sorry, Sheik, you'll just have to wait in line. But he didn't wait very long. And so he was eventually awarded, awarded the championship. And Cabana had, again, the documentary says it had been made a lot of promises that just weren't kept. Uh, I think had he kept the title, he would have been defending that title in uh, Pro Wrestling No, which to me was a much, much better deal. Um, and there was a lot of things that just didn't happen. And so although Cabana didn't leave the NWA, um, he surely was kind of done with with all of that. I mean, he wasn't going to get a rematch from the Sheik, and well, of course, uh, the NWA decided. Makes us, it kind of makes it sound like uh, with the passing of Ed Schumann, like Bob uh, Trovic, like Trubich is kind of emotional. Trubich, I will yeah. never get that right. That's uh, all right, man. He's kind of an emotional stater because of the politics or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he he had the final say to do whatever. It just gave it and just gave it to him. Yeah. It's like, all right, we have to put on the Sheik. And, and of course that killed the man of momentum. And I, I do want to say this, like, um, because my relationship with, with the Sheik wasn't all bad. I mean, there was a time where we were, we were good, man. I mean, he was posting Alliance wrestling content on his website and, uh, you know, he would send me press releases and everything else. So we had a pretty good relationship. Obviously that all soured 
when all this happened. But I think had he not had he done business with the NWA, I think we would have been talking about him as a multi-champion, at least one more run. Um, but he was unwilling to do business. And again, when I tell you that the Adam Pierce and Sheik uh, rivalry probably would have made, well, definitely would have made money um, because the NWA fans were chomping at that. And again, I, I can, I can tell you this from experience. Our message was, was wanted that match. They, they wanted Sheik and Pierce. And when they got Sheik or uh, Pierce Cabana, they're like, okay, but they wanted that match. And so when, the Sheik had the title. We thought we were going to get that match. In fact, they had booked it for a um, the, the Ohio State Fair. And this was going to be the match that would headline this big venture in, back into in a small arena. And it was going to be headlined by Pierce and the Sheik. In fact, uh, the NWA sent me a video. And it, it was a great video of Sheik and Pierce. And they were, they were hyping it up. And they were doing things on the, on the independent scene to, to kind of heighten it up. But uh, the Sheik came to Hollywood and attacked Pierce. Um, the Sheik also uh, the Sheik also attacked Pierce at the uh, NWA Legends Fan Fest at the same weekend where he wrestled uh, Brian Danielson. And so, uh, so when the Sheik, I mean, the Sheik was around, man, and he was hot. I, I won't take that away from him. His, his, he was hot, and he could have probably, I think, if he had done business, he probably would have gotten at least one more run with that belt. Um, but he was uninterested in that. He was getting dates with zero one. They were making him promises. So he took the belt and left. And I mean, legitimately took the belt and left. So when you try to look this thing up, I mean, they kind of describe it as like the Sheik. Um, you know, Adam Pierce in the documentary says he didn't really trust the Sheik in the first place or that he had a reputation, um, yeah. basically. But, um, you know, that Ohio State match that you mentioned, um, I think that's the one they kind of described like that's that's where the the match is supposed to go down but then he he kind of no shows it or whatever they end up having to strip him of the title but also the sheik to his credit like says that he was never booked or something like that or what I I mean I may be mixing up the locations but 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 basically what what it sounds like from what you're saying that seems like uh you know I don't want to put words in your mouth but it seems a little far fetched uh, that, you know, if he's doing all this other stuff that he clearly knew that that was coming, right? Well, I mean, here's the thing. So they promised him a title run. I don't know how long of a run that was ever promised. You know what I mean? And the Sheik, to his credit, I mean, look, he took that belt to Japan. And and when he went to 0-1, um, which, I mean... Zero One was never a major wrestling promotion in Japan, but its affiliation with the NWA uh, before TNA uh, really kind of built credibility. And, and it was kind of like, I would liken it to maybe our Ring of Honor. Uh, the talent isn't the same, but it, in terms of uh, popularity and availability at the time, it was like a, like a Ring of Honor style promotion. And, um, so, you know, Hashimoto is already gone and, and they're looking for big stars. And they brought the Sheik in before he won the title. Because he has this very interesting gimmick. And it, it, again, for a country that loves history, I mean, it was basically he was the reincarnation of the, uh, the Sheik Sabu's uncle from, um, from Michigan. And so, like, he, he was really, like, you know, doing this crazy stuff and having death matches in Puerto Rico. So, I mean, he really was building up his portfolio. So when he went to 0-1 as the NWA world champion, it was a big deal. It was a big deal because the last time... 
the NWA World Heavyweight Championship was in Japan was uh, 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 Hashimoto was zero one. So having yeah. the Sheik bring the NWA title to zero one was a big deal. And, and they did treat him with respect. He ended up unifying the Zero-One Championship with the NWA Championship. So, I mean, they were doing business, but all along, I mean, that when, when Pierce was coming back to have that rematch, it was, it was time to let go of the title. And the Sheik, the Sheik says he was double booked for that weekend. But if you go back and check history, he said he had matches in Zero-One, but he never, he never went back to Japan. He never had a title defense there, not, not during that same time period. So... I think he was full of shit. Yeah, well, I know he was full of shit. Sorry, the language, guys, but um, he, he mm, just no, fine. He, he had no one. The kids are in bed. Daddy, what? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm so, kidding. so he was he was he was never had any intention of making that date. And I don't know if he thought the NWA would just go. Oh, okay. Well, you know, when would be a convenient time? Uh, you know, they weren't going to do that. And, and Pierce was their guy, and they knew Pierce was their guy. They tried to put together a formidable tournament. It was on short notice. I, I think it was like the difference of a month or two. And um, obviously, the ticket sales weren't great. Um, it wasn't the money match that people were expecting. Um, I, I don't think that they should have had an event at the Ohio State Fair without a real strong NWA promotion in the area. So it just kind of, everything kind of fell flat, but just like that, just like Pierce starts picking up business and he's taking a belt to places it hadn't been. And he's wrestling all around the U.S. He, I mean, he takes the title to the United Kingdom for the NWA Hammerlock. He takes the title to Germany for WXW, which is, I think, the uh, they've been around forever. Uh, and again, very comparable to like a Ring of Honor style promotion. They've been around for a very long time. So it, he's having these matches. I mean, when he was in the UK, he, he took on Zack Sabre Jr. You know, he was having matches with some pretty decent names at the time. And he comes back to the United States, and, and what are they going to do? At this point, Adam Pierce knew that the time was starting to run out on his clock. He, he wasn't ever going to stay pro wrestling for a long time. He thought he had opportunities with Impact. He thought he had opportunities with the WWE. Um, so this was time for him to start winding it down. This, and, and, and the only way to do that, I mean, he even called this this tour, this time as champion, is his one last ride. And uh, so he he gets into a blood feud with the guy that he, again, where it all started back in championship wrestling from Hollywood. And Gary, don't let me don't don't let me skip things that you want to talk about, but. Once they get to no, Hollywood. No, no, I mean, it's, it's actually interesting. Like, as you're jumping through there, I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, yeah, the, I mean, essentially where we go is uh, NWA had to strip him of the, had to strip Sheik of the title. As far as, no, I guess Joe Kabibo still has that title. Go back to our David Marquez episode, and uh, he kind of uh, goes off on that a little bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if, if all of that sounds kind of anticlimactic, it's because it was. Imagine how it felt to everybody involved. I mean, the NWO had to course correct and start over. Yeah, and like Jake Cal is raising yeah, I, his hand here. I was uh, going to ask, like, I mean, you know, Jake Cal, you were so were you privy to all this information as it was going on, as like a, you know, a journalist or whatever you, um, you consider yourself. Yeah. So again, I had a lot of relationships with um, many of the NWA members. You know, not just the one in Hollywood, but you know, I I knew Ken Taylor. I knew 
uh, Bob Trobich, you know, I, I knew Fred Rubenstein. So, I mean, I, I have, you know, I can pull out my phone now and call some of these old guys. Um, we talked a lot and there were certain things that could be told to me and certain things that couldn't. And I mean, just the other day, uh, when, when I saw, um, somebody asked about the Sheik, and I literally just went through the messages that I had on Facebook where you saw this relationship where we were buddies and we were talking about, Hey, when I move out to California, let's grab a drink. Okay, man. It sounds like a good idea. And then, you know, like a month later, take that off your website or I'll sue you. You know, it just, it's totally the relationship of like evolved very quickly. And, uh, you know, I have a good relationship with Adam Pierce and I have a good relationship with David Marquez and there were some things that I was made aware of and, and some things during and, and, and a lot of things after. And, you know, Bill Barron's is the man that booked the show for, um, that NWO, NWA Ohio state fair. That was his show. That wasn't a David Marquez show or the NWA that was Bill Barron's. And when he booked that event, I mean, he did so in good faith. He thought that he was going to have Joe, Ch- Joe Kabibo defend the title there. And it didn't happen because he was selfish. It, it, if you guys watch it, it, we talked, we're talking about the um, seven levels of hate documentary, but the history and tradition uh, DVD of the NWA uh, really goes into this. And even guys who, our buddies with the Sheik were like, man, he kind of went into business for himself and, and he really kind of put the screws to the NWA. So, yeah, I mean, to answer, Bill, Bill Barron's is coming on Piper's notes. <laughs> Just so you know. Excellent. Um, I, I'm interested to talk to the Sheik. I know uh, Jake Cal's not interested, but I'm kind of like, I kind of want to pursue the Sheik. I've actually, I did not, uh, as an aside, sort of, I, been DM, DMing with this guy. Somebody's like hooked me up with him and we've been talking about doing an interview. And I was like, and I only know uh, Joseph Samuel. And I was like, oh, he was a former NWA champion. And it wasn't until research for this that I realized exactly who he was. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be fun. That would hey, be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, just don't tell him you know me, man, because he probably won't come on. Okay. I mean, play me off. Don't you don't know me? We don't know anybody. Cause uh what did you do got, to him, Jay Cal? It, it it's it's that I I mean I was honest. I, I'm I'm a diehard NWA fan, and if I thought that he was in the right, I would have backed him up. But I feel like it's a time honored tradition. Yeah. It's a time when, when you talk about pro wrestling, like look, Dory Funk Jr. did not want to lose to uh Harley Race, he just didn't want to do it. You know, and, and, and a lot of people don't want to lose to certain people, but at the end of the day, you are made champion. You have a responsibility to, to represent that promotion, to represent that history, that legacy. And when you say, no, F that, I'm going to, I'm worried about the sheep, forget everybody else. And he, he does what he wants to do. To me, that's a sign that he disrespected the business. He disrespected. I'm, I'm with you 100%, man. I, I, I toe the line on that 100%, man. I, Khabibo. And, and I honestly think, I honestly think if he would have played ball, if he'd been like, okay, man, what's the date? I'll be there. You know, he would have had more opportunities with that belt. Again, the Pierce didn't know how long he was going to be wrestling for it. His, his goal was to get, um, off the Indies and get signed. And I, again, I think he had, he knew he had opportunities, um, outside of the NWA promotion. So 
you know, he, well, he at, what, what's crazy with, with Pierce for me. Oh, sorry to cut you. No, you're good. Uh, what's crazy with Pierce for me is like one of the beautiful parts of it though. And through this whole thing, it seems like his whole goal is he's looking at something bigger than himself. And I really respected that about him. Um, so like, even when this moment comes that the Sheik drops the title um, or it's stripped from him, all momentum is lost. Adam Pierce forsaking anything else steps up to give it a, another go and says, okay, well, I'm going to take this opportunity on. Uh, so on July 31st, 2011, Pierce wins the NWA World Speedweight Championship for the fourth time by defeating Chance Prophet, Jimmy Raven, Sean Tempers in a four-way match. Um, and Colt starts his journey back to the top. Um, and, and, and the whole time, this is again this idea of like, I mean, to even hear Pierce describe it and, and you were there uh, maybe, I mean, Pierce strikes me as a guy who does not, he could not give less of a shit what you think of him. He's just honest. And so um, I believe when he talks, like he just has this look about like, he seems like an honest guy, like just a straightforward dude. And he's talking about it and he's like, all right, well, you screwed up. Now you know you screwed up. You put on the wrong person. This should have never happened. Colt should probably still be touring around the globe right now with the 10 pounds of gold. Because that didn't happen, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take it, and let's do this again. Let's try to get this right this time. And uh, so – Colt's making his journey back, and they do the best they can with this feud, which I thought it was kind of cool, the stuff I saw of it. Um, uh, there's uh, Stu Stone and the Family Stone. Um, they're kind of like the Heenan family. Um, he's got a stable, and it's problematic for Cabana. They end up in a situation where they're doing a beatdown on Cabana. They call down Pierce, like, I know you want a piece of this. Pierce stands up, walks down to the ring, but ends up actually backing Colt and taking these guys out. And uh, and they form a bond, so it seems. And uh, they combine their efforts. Uh, they take on the family stone, and it leads to a moment, basically, where that if uh, Colt and Pierce can win this tag match they're in, they get stolen for five minutes. They win. And... Uh, Pierce goes to the back, grabs Stu Stone, brings him out, holds him in the corner, and it's a very cool moment. You could tell, like especially if you were a person that was really vested at this time, uh, this would have this would have been wild. But Adam Pierce has Stu Stone in the corner, and Colt comes in for one of his signature moves here, and Pierce just lays him out, and uh, and then you're it's on again. Colt versus Adam Pierce. Um, so Colt is after Pierce and, and WA championship. And then this whole time, it seemed like Pierce was just doing a thing to keep Colt from the title. Colt's going after the title. Uh, uh, you can stop me if I get too far ahead of myself, but on April 8th, 2012, Colt Cabana faces Adam Pierce one more time and he wins the NWA world's heavyweight championship. Now, after all the other buildup that we just did for everything else, and this doesn't sound quite as exciting it wasn't not to say it wasn't good uh it was and the fans seemed excited uh but but mostly just in, in the the idea that respect was given 
back to Cabana. Like they were given the respect back and, and things are going like, all right, let's reset. Let's get back to where we were supposed to be. Colt's back on top. And this time, I mean, lucky for him, he's probably just getting more and more popular. Podcasts are blowing up. Colt's podcast is blowing up. People are traveling from everywhere to see Colt. And now he's got the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, so it's more, in a, in a sense, it's more popular than it's ever been. Um, but supposedly, from my understanding, this whole deal, just that part, wasn't enough for Pierce at the time. He had made a deal that if if he was going to do this whole thing, if he was going to go in there and he was going to put in his effort again to get this thing on Colt, that Colt's got to have this thing for a year and uh, unless they decide otherwise. Uh, but Pierce also wanted to make sure that, like, this title reign, this time, it has to be meaningful. It has to mean something. It's not just going to be – Let's just give it to Colt, and he just freaking drops it off to somebody else later down the road. No, we want Colt to be a legitimate NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And so he wants to prove that this feud can be worth that effort. And so it essentially leads into where we were going the whole time is this best of seven series for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And Pierce on top of the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship being on the line here, uh, Pierce says, I'm better than you. I can prove that I'm better than you, even though you beat me twice now. If I don't win this best of seven, then I will end my career, basically. And that's what gets us into the best of seven series. Did I, did I summarize that well enough? Yeah, no, you're you're on it. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I I mean, as you were talking, I just kept thinking like, it might have made more sense if they just would have uh, done like a Dallas rehash and just had Dave Marquez wake up and it's like, oh, it was a bad dream. The Sheik was never champion. Um, it, that might have gotten lost on this audience. How young no, are you guys? No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, um, I'm with you, buddy. I'm the oldest <laughs> guy here, J. Cal. So. <laughs> Yeah, Rob, just, uh, Rob, Rob's about to turn 64. I've been watching NWA since you were just uh, four years old. Yeah, so, <laughs> Rob's like, I don't watch any new television, so don't talk about <laughs> Dallas to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, that was good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so so you're right. It wasn't as uh, – it was very anticlimactic. It, it, had, it didn't have the same pop it did the first time. Uh, part of that is because the venue is different. Part of that is it was a different audience. It's weird. The Hollywood crowd doesn't travel. So they went from, they started off in Santa Ana and that crowd did not travel to, to Brea. And we're talking about an hour and a half, two hours away. And then from, from Los Angeles to Glendale, which is like literally 30 minutes away, the audience didn't travel. So it was really weird. And again, the way that they'd built it up, you kind of thought you had this buddy uh, buddy flick going on with Cabana and Pierce. You know, they had been buddies in the past, and that's well documented. So it's not strange to see them working together. You think these two kids from the Midwest, you know, are just going to start taking over. You got Pierce as a champion. Maybe they go after the tag titles. All these thoughts are going through your head, and then the next thing you know, Pierce literally stiffs the shit out of Cabana with a clothesline that damn near took his head off. And it was awesome, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that same build. And when that match finally did happen, and the crowd, the crowd was excited. 
excited. The crowd was into it. Again, Colt Cabana had a huge following at the time. It just, it wasn't the first time around. And so they did have to make this more meaningful. Um, he did want more for Cabana. He was pissed. Marquez was pissed. Um, there were other wrestlers who literally would tweet people who potentially could lose bookings from this man and would say, why in the world did they put the belt on the Sheik? I'm very disappointed in the NWA's decision to put the title on the Sheik. Not, it, it was such a stark contrast from when Cabana won the title to, to the Sheik. So all this hate for that guy, and then Cabana wins it again, and it's like, hey, good for you, Cabana, but it, it didn't carry the same cachet. It, it, it honestly didn't. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I don't know about you guys, though. Watching this documentary, uh, I, I, I did get that imp- impression. But um, I don't uh, – let's throw to Robin Will. You guys uh, – tell me, did you when – when I was watching the documentary, I was like, well, God dang, like Adam Pierce like jumps in here, and he's like, we're going to make this mean something. Um, he throws out this best of seven idea and throws the step down. And by, by the time this is over, especially like, I mean, I, I'm just like Adam Pierce book, everything. Like, yeah. I was just like this guy, this guy knew what to do. Right. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, with, with what you guys are talking about, if, if it didn't have the same meaning, because maybe with the whole melee that happened with the Sheik, people had, maybe lost a little bit of faith in, in the NWA at the time. And so they were, you know, kind of like fool me twice, you know, shame on me. So that probably had some to do with it. I mean, just purely looking in from the outside, watching the documentary, uh, that heel turn was huge for me. I love a good heel turn, like an (laughs) unexpected, well-executed heel turn. That was a story that I felt like, you know, and again, I'm looking at just this two-hour documentary. I didn't live it like you did, Jay Cal and, and the other people that were there. But, you know, I thought that was executed really well, um, and, and it came across that way. And then just, the, I mean, you could tell from from the promos that they would show. They would show these clips from the promos. And, man, Adam Pierce was putting his heart and soul in this. You could tell. He cared about this. He wanted this to 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 be huge. Uh, he wanted uh, Colt Cabana to get the spotlight that he felt he had deserved a year prior that was robbed from him. Um, and so they were, you know, setting this thing up. And it was a brilliant idea. Honestly, something that we're not used to in modern wrestling because we have such short attention spans. We're not used to now. Okay, let's do seven matches over the span of, of months, year, whatever, and make them all meaningful. You know, we're used to like quick payoff now. It's like, oh, I got mad at you on Monday night and now we're going to fight at the pay-per-view and then it's going to be over. And so this is just such a, it, it was so exciting for me to imagine like living through this and to have that kind of investment into a long-term story. Um, so I, yeah, it's it, I thought it was super exciting, but again, you know, I don't have all the context. I was just looking at it from from this uh, kind of short retelling of it. Now, yeah, I mean, my 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 first world champion in my life was Terry Funk, and I and uh, that's who was champion when I was born. And I I've been watching the NWA since I was four years old, and I've never stopped watching the NWA. I wasn't blogging or anything, but but I remember this going on. I remember I remember Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana and and all this stuff. And to me, like my perspective is like. You know, being 
you know, I've always been interested in like liberal arts and literature and history and all that. To, to me, this was, this was like, this is Greek mythology. I mean, you have the, uh, the friend who, who comes in, but he's bitter that he never got his revenge. He never got his rematch. And, and uh, he has a chance to redeem this, this, this loss that manifests in this betrayal. And it's like, it's a, it's, this has been her <laughs> just retold, you know? And uh, it, uh, go ahead. It, it's funny you bring that up because there's a promo out there. And I don't know if it was for the best seven or if it was for the world title match before, but Pierce is literally quoting Shakespeare. Colt Cabana, I stabbeth thee. You know, it's 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 yeah. really like a, a very long-storied um, rivalry. And I really think that, uh, you know, this was important to Pierce because this was also, again, this was towards the end of his, well, what he was expecting his in-ring career. So, he was trying to write a love letter to the NWA, kind of like a, a, a legacy piece, right? And he knew that, that this feud would get over. He knew it. And the idea was that they were building a, a blueprint to show basically indie wrestling, like, hey, you can make this work. This whole The whole territory system with the NWA, you guys could do this once I'm gone. This can continue to thrive. And if it's not the NWA, then, then it could be somebody else. But this is how you do it. This is how you make people care. And right. it always worked. It always worked before them, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. And I, I love Jay Cal, man, because we're really the same, man. We baseball, rock and roll and wrestling are the same. They're the exact same. They have the same trends, the same things, the same origins. And, and to me, this is like the perfect origin story. The perfect, it's just like a ghost story, you know, and it's, it, <laughs> it, it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's this Robert Johnson, you know, and, um, for this, this to erupt and then to man, I, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, you guys have heard me say about this. I'm not big into like gimmick matches, ex- except from time to time I am. <laughs> when it's really important, I'm into them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And right. this was like this series, like just a series of, of gimmick matches. Like we, we, I have this desire. It, it, it transcends my desire. It, it transcends my desire to win the belt. It just means that I'm better than you. And I will I will explore that belief in any number of ways, from cage matches to death matches to first blood matches to whatever. I'm convinced I'm better than you. And that's it's been her, man. Well, the Classic difference team. here, like the key difference here though, is that see nowadays, again, to 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 compare it to current, you know, wrestling climate and, and creativity the gimmicks are supposed to get the feud over. But in this, the feuds were getting the gimmicks over and that's how <laughs> yeah. it should be. Yeah. And so you can yeah. look, you can look throughout history and, you know, I, 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 I'm like you, Rob, I don't love gimmick matches, but there's some that I do. I mean, there was a classic uh, strap match between sting and Vader. Well, it wasn't even a title match. Good. It's one yeah, of my favorite matches match. of all time. And it's it, it's because the feud made the gimmick interesting. And now we now there's like a lazy approach where it's like, okay, we've got this match. Well, how do we make it interesting? Well, let's uh, do a tables match. And you're just like, it doesn't it doesn't translate the same. But that that's what was going we'll on a, here. We'll is do that, an, an Idaho bar bar match, bro. Idaho bar <laughs> yeah. bar. Well, that's yeah. a that's a 
the excellent thing you just said, like I didn't even think about before, but that that that's actually really well said that, that the feud would meant more. I mean, my big takeaway from this too, if not that, is gonna be just the love that's poured into this thing by these guys that are doing this. And especially I mean, Adam Pierce has elevated himself so high in my mind just because of all the the studying I've had to do for just this episode. Just the idea that this guy is is putting this whole thing before himself, and I just I just want to make it clear to anybody who's listening to this later on the podcast or or viewing this right now, just that I I, I love NWA Power. I love what Corgan and everyone is doing, but it's just like this, this guy saw this too. This guy wanted this opportunity for Colt, like he wanted to. He yeah, was man. trying so hard to like and pass this thing to Colt and make it important. And not to spoil anything, but ultimately Adam Pierce is such a great he's just a great man. I mean, not even I mean he, being a great champion is cool. That's great. And that's great. But being a great man is another thing. And he's such a great man that he even put the championship beyond <laughs> this. You know what I'm saying? He put Colt Cabana ahead of the championship. You know what I mean? I mean, this is like this was about. I mean, it's it's easy to sit there and say all day long that like I want to be the champion or I want to be. So, I mean, he 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 held the belt to an extent. Now I, I look at all this the same way, so I'm not going to take this, this, this. Nothing I'm about to say. Am I saying take away from anything that's happening currently? All I'm trying to get across here is this is a guy who knew he was the best guy to hold it for right now to get it to the person that it needed to go to. Like he, he wanted it to mean something now made yes. it. Now, Gary, and, and this is open to anyone here listening. Does that change your Mount Rushmore now? Uh, well, <laughs> we, we said, we, I think we put, we said, we agreed as a, as a podcast, we agreed that there were five people on our podcast. And I think that we put Lurk on it. And I think did we not put Adam Pierce on it. I, I honestly don't remember us ever like, might have settling been some and finalizing. But I, I know there was uh, Jake. There was some discussion about that. There was some considerable discussion about Pierce well, or all this. And I and, think and, there's and, still and some discussion. Sorry, about didn't mean to cut you off. No, uh, you I think there's still some discussion to have about that actually because one of the parts of it is like how successful are we? You know, I think at it's a tough call and it's like the, the you know there's the best efforts and then there's what happens and so i'm interested to have that discussion as we let's dive in let's talk about so the best of seven series by, by the success of it you mean like commercial success or let's get through the best of seven series and let's talk about <laughs> okay success let's All let's, right. let's say let's well, actually Two hours into this discussion, finally oh, talk sorry. about the seven levels of hate. <laughs> no, it's, okay, because I'll, no, I'll, I'll wait till after that to disagree with you. <laughs> Fair enough. So we're here. We're finally here for everybody who's been paying attention. We're 
actually at seven levels of hate. We're finally here right now. Without a Pierce versus Colt Cabana, they're going to take this thing on the road, and they're going seven matches, best of seven series, and they're doing each match as a gimmick match. But as Will said, it's the feud you care about. You just want to see these guys kick the shit out of each other. And so that's what we're here for. Level one is the first blood match. May 13th, 2012, NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, Cole Cabana versus Adam Pierce. Uh, this was actually in the Glendale, California location. Uh, it's just a first blood stipulation. Uh, blood was seen earlier between these two. This is not the first time one of them is going to make the other one bleed by any means. Uh, so you know it's going to happen. And uh, it probably will just be a minute into the match, but uh, they're gonna they're gonna do this thing, and uh, and they they do not hold back. They go at each other. They I even like bite each other uh, in the match, and they they have it. But the beautiful part, the gorgeous art of this part of the feud is Cabana picks up his win. Uh, after he after he repeatedly smashes Pierce's face into a turnbuckle, leaving blood all over the white turnbuckle, and it is there is just a gorgeous image online that you can find. Iconic, this, just of Adam Pierce's DNA all over, uh, and not the way that Rob would leave his DNA. <laughs> <all over a laughs> <turnbuckle. laughs> I'm not like that anymore, Gary. I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> it's and, and- blood. And being in that being in that arena and seeing literally seeing Pierce just just oh there it is. Seeing that um and that that, that photo was actually by uh, Shane Kidder, who was at the time the 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 number one photographer for Hollywood, so he was kind of like the NWA photographer. Any event happened, he was there. And that they literally took that picture three or four times because it had to be perfect because that, that storytelling right there, that, I mean, that's the cover of the old wrestling magazines that had John Tolos on them and Freddie Blassie. And you'd see these guys bleeding like pigs. And, and that told the story right there, that turnbuckle told the story of, of a vengeance, right? Like the seven levels of hate, these dudes hate each other. And this blood feud started off in Hollywood. It's going to go around the world. That image had to be so meaningful. Um, I've seen that photo. You know, they edited it to be black and white with the color on it, with the red. And it's just, it's haunting. It's really haunting. The funny thing, Jake House, that that's actually not the photo. That's from my bathroom after using the Manscaped two. Oh, God. I thought I was totally with the three point of. <laughs> yeah, I was. What is wrong with but, you? But but the other. The, by the way, this the podcast other, is sponsored I, I, by Manscaped.com. Jake just gave up. Use NWA Pod for twenty percent off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Uh, Rob <laughs> clearly does not know how to use Manscaped material, but well, uh, evidently the three that Will has is like a lot smoother on the skin. But but I will tell you the the, the Pierce Cabana turnbuckle photo is very similar to that, but that that's actually that came from my iPhone. <laughs> so I don't know why we even but you actively try to push away sponsors. That's the problem we have here. <laughs> They're lying, bro. The manscaped is lying, dude. When they say that's smooth, Rob, <laughs> Rob, you settle down. Somebody. Can I mute Rob? Get out first. I got it. I got it muted. Uh, 
<laughs> I got to beat it. Manscaped.com, code NWAPOD. It's 30% off and free shipping. I love my Manscaped. Uh, the lawnmower, it's, it's incredible. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I've officially never laughed that hard on YouTube or any kind of camera before, so thank you, oh Rob. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm literally wiping tears guys jesus freaking gary just muted me dude you were attacking our sponsor you just got i I clearly said the 3.0 was probably pretty good the 2.0 will cut you up oh jesus am i gonna mute you again he's trying to he's trying to upsell he's trying to upsell people like don't get the 2.0 get the 3.0 3.0 man for He's upselling. Okay. Yeah. All right. Classic market. Fair enough. Uh, Will, do you have anything else you want to add to this? I appreciate you putting it have, up. I have absolutely nothing else I want to add to this. Okay. Let's move on to level two, everybody. <laughs> the Colts up by one. Level two is a Boston Street fight taking place on June 8, 2012 at NECW Stronger Than Hurt. Uh, it was uh, it was in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Uh, it's, it's New England Championship Wrestling. Uh, so basically, these two guys brawl all over the building and uh, just they beat the hell out of each other. Uh, there's still blood in this one. Thank God it wasn't a first blood match. Uh, but Cabana ends up making uh, Pierce pass out in uh, this finish. Uh, and uh, so Pierce, proving his toughness, would not tap out, uh, and he just ends up uh, passing out, and uh, this gives uh, Cabana a two-match lead and a big advantage there. Anything to add to that, fellas? So it was a good uh, good kind of rebound for the storytelling. Um, New England Championship Wrestling at the time, you know, they're, they're a smaller wrestling promotion, but uh, – uh, the, the the promotion out there, Sheldon Goldberg, the promoter, has always had a, uh, a good relationship with uh, David Marquez. And again, uh, he had worked with the NWA in previous incarnations and uh, was really uh, happy to have that match. It, the world title, believe it or not, really didn't travel to the Northeast very often um, unless it was through Ring of Honor. There wasn't a lot of strong NWA promotions in the Northeast and, and the promotions that were there weren't really booking uh, the world's heavyweight champion. So it was nice to see the title in that part of the country. It was nice, especially because they hosted um, two of the, uh, or no, I'm sorry, just the one match of uh, reclaiming the glory. So they, there was some connection and some history to that NWA world championship. And uh, it was cool to see that match happen there. And again, they they don't headline any CW. They aren't any CW talents but based on the momentum that they had from Cabana's first run as champion and then what's coming out now, you know, social media is a lot more active. There's YouTube, there's ways to get these, these videos out there. People were buying in and it was, it was a lot of fun. And that was a great match to kind of kick it off uh, out of Hollywood. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, I mean, we see in the documentary, like the promotion talking about that, like just uh, just these two guys, if anything, uh, 
selling out just based on vignettes that based on promote promos they're cutting leading up to an event they're not actually from this region they're not actually like wrestlers in this promotion or anything but they end up selling this thing out uh later a couple of times i guess but uh that's a that's a really good point it, it just uh, it proves it's a it's a thing that that proves the case that like when we look at a thing like what the nwa has done now this is very valuable history and contextual history for like what we're seeing now with the 10 pounds of gold series and what potentially the nwa could still do from here yeah uh given their limitations that like this can still be done i mean this is yet another reason i'm just gonna like bowed out and kissed Adam Pierce's ass that like, I'm like you, you started this thing. And now like, I mean, and yeah, Lagana's is involved. Like Marquez is involved. Like people are involved in this thing, but it just, it proves there's so much more to making a great wrestling feud than what he thinks. Right. Yep. So, so which of it, Rob's all giddy over there still. Uh, Level level three, we jump into an I quit match, and uh, that takes place at uh, uh, 7-7-2012. Still Dominion. They're going back home. This is back to the origins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here they are. uh, It's in Hopkins, Minnesota. It's still Domain Wrestling. Uh, Stipulation, I quit. And uh, going into the match, neither man, you know, obviously they were not like guys that seemed like they would be like, I quit. Literally, the, the last match, I mean, what was cool about this is there's some consistency here, is that in the last match, uh, you know, Pierce passed out before saying I'm quit. So that that adds context. Again, I'm all about this context stuff. I keep saying that. But uh so now you've got to make one of them say I quit. Is Colt Cabana going to say I quit? Is Adam Pierce going to say I quit? Neither one of them seems like a guy who would do it. Um, Adam Pierce ends up disconnecting the top rope from the turnbuckle. He chokes out Cabana. Cabana ends up passing out, not unlike what Pierce did the match before, and the ref ends the match, and he awards the victory to Adam Pierce. But as they're announcing that victory, Colt Cabana wakes up, pulls the ref's arm down before they can make that announcement and says, I did not and would not ever say I quit. And the match has to be restarted. And uh, Cabana ends up locking Billy, uh, the, what's he called it? The Billy Goat's curse up on Pierce uh, with the rope around his throat. Pierce ends up, he can't handle it. He does end up saying I quit in this match as a heel should, in my opinion. I mean, that's the way that it should work out. I see wow. Rob shaking his head. We'll get his thoughts. But at the end of the day, Colt Cabana is now up three and oh. Yeah, that's a this is one of the great injustices in the history of professional wrestling. The referee, the official, called the match. You have never seen a football game, a baseball game, anything where the the umps came back and said, you know what, like, let's restart the whole thing. This is bull. As an Adam Pierce fan, yeah, I'm, I respect Colt Cabana. I've never been a big Colt Cabana fan, but this is a – Adam Pierce was robbed in this match. He was robbed. Adam Pierce, this should be, this should be two to one right here. 
I said it. Yeah, I just I I I enjoy Adam Pierce. Don't get me wrong, I am I am all about some Adam Pierce, but on a meta level, like I believe Adam Pierce has great vision for the rest of the industry. I can't believe you hate Adam Pierce so much, dude. Did the ref not what? call the match and give it to Adam Pierce? <laughs> he lost this match. He lost this match. Who said I quit? Adam Pierce said I quit. He lost the match That's the second time. He won it the first man. time. He won this match the first time, and then he lost it the second time. I hate this story writing. No, nah, dog. He didn't say I quit. He freaking God passed dang, out. You don't pay attention to the he rules. Was the mouth. He was foaming at the mouth. It's in the, it's in the name of the match. He didn't say that. <laughs> I feel like this if is turning died, into a competition. I feel like you're trying to see who's going to get me to laugh the most. The ref gave him the match, man, and then he restarted. It's wrong. Oh, you need to pay attention to the damn title of the match. That's all I'm saying. You need to just like, make it up me, rules me, now. Referee awards match to Adam Pierce. Then suddenly Cabana wakes up. <laughs> And decides, oh, I want to wrestle again. <laughs> that's how. I, that's so, how I saw. It. That's, and that's why Rob calls this feud the eight levels of hate because technically that <laughs> nine was nine levels. Actually, nine levels. <laughs> no, he, he's he's actually being honest. There's actually nine levels to this, but that's something that doesn't go into this documentary. Yeah. Oh, we're we're getting there. Yeah, we'll we'll still go into it. All right, <laughs> so. Yeah, we're still trying to work our way there. We're just going to be here all night. Uh, so, because Rob's got to be a bitch. Uh, <laughs> level number four. Hey, Gary. Yes. Hey, Gary. This has nothing. This has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a bitch. This has nothing yeah, this, to do with the fact that I'm a this bitch. This is like the least of the reasons. Yeah. There are many other reasons. It's not this one. I'm right on this one. I'm a bitch for uh, any right. number of reasons, <laughs> but not this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Level number four is the best two out of three falls match. Dated, by the way, 7-21-2012. Before we end this podcast, I was happy to at least get here so we could say this is officially the anniversary level four of the seven levels of hate. Yeah, uh, this had gone on for – if, if this had gone on for another 30 minutes, you wouldn't have been able to say that. So we made it. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm glad we finally did get here. We made it this far. <laughs> Kansas City, Metro Pro Wrestling, two out of three falls. <laughs> Would it be appropriate for what me to now, say, Rob? and I'm going to ask you this on the air, tell me if I'm inappropriate. <laughs> Would it be in a <laughs> never mind? Go ahead. No, I'm not even gonna ask. Don't ask me on the air. We all agree. That, we got mind. a whole like we got yeah, a whole we, we got Discord chat. You got my phone dark. number. <laughs> Go ahead. <Next> me. <laughs> what are you talking about? If this involves manscaped again, don't even bring it up. <laughs> I was just gonna say, never mind. We'll, let's talk on the after party about this match for so one thing i want to say about uh, metro pro wrestling is at the time they were um they were on the uh gosh was it uh like the fox sport affiliate out there it was metro sports channel they got a lot of visibility they were on in a lot of markets or not a lot of markets but a, a very solid market and that and that in kansas city so uh they really did um 
get some mileage. And this match was on there. You know, they, they featured clips of it because they weren't really showing full matches on the programs. But that match did happen uh, at Metro Pro, which was considered, like I said, a, kind of a big deal at the time. And, uh, the, you know, two out of three falls. I mean, we're starting adding second levels because of the last match. I mean, you've got at least two or three more levels here because it's the best two out of three. Oh, you got Rob because it doesn't feel like that's all you got. No, 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 no. I, I, Jake Cal's perfect. What he said was right. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's only it's only you that he's disagreeing with tonight, Gary. It feels that way. It does feel that way. What? I didn't disagree. What? I said I was a... <laughs> the feud. Oh, Next week is the feud. Gary it. versus Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I just disagree with the outcome. No, Jake Cal is usually on it, man. Eight, seven times out of ten, he's on it. Anyway, Adam Pierce was very sick during the match. He still went in there and did it. He had to bitch out Colt Cabana because Colt was like calling a bunch of uh, headlock takeover flips and <laughs> flops. And he was like, dude, come on, man. Seriously, I'm sick. Stop it. Uh, I, I, I did enjoy that part of the, uh, the documentary version of this. Um, Anyway, match number four. By the way, if you go through and actually watch these matches, at this point, this was my favorite match of the series so far. I thought this was the best one. It's reminiscent uh, of Michael Jordan winning that game seven when he had the 103-degree uh, fever. Mm-hmm. Pierce was not feeling well. Um, I didn't talk to him then. I'm not that close, but we did talk after the match, and he was telling me how sick he was that the entire time he just stayed in his hotel room drinking uh, Gatorade really just to kind of stay hydrated. And when he gets out to the show, they put on an excellent, excellent match. Again, you wouldn't expect anything less from these two, but the fact that knowing that Pierce wasn't doing his best, um, you know, they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't reshoot it. You know, they had to do it then and there. So he really rised to the occasion for this situation. It's pretty incredible because like, I get like kind of bitchy when I'm sick. I like to think that I'm a super tough guy, but sometimes if I, if I'm going to have, yeah, no, you shut up. Uh, when I if I have like over a hundred degree temperature, I would be on the couch like not doing anything. And like Pierce is out here having the match of his life, and uh, that's uh that's pretty impressive. It's not anything I'd expect out of a Rob Stead or anybody related to him. Well, I was gonna say like in the in the documentary, you know, <laughs> Pierce Pierce says, you know, I was sick and. Uh, you know, if people say this was a good match, that was all all Colt Cabana carrying it. But then they proceed to show these clips of him like doing still like superhuman, you know, wrestling spots and things like that. So I mean, yeah, I mean, he's I think he was being pretty humble with that um, with that assessment that he he did come out and, and showed out and and you know despite the circumstance was able to to perform at a high level, which is commendable. Right. I was going to say this was reminiscent of the uh, of the final 30 minutes of the, of the Bearded Trio Summit when Gary <laughs> struggled to make it to the car. <laughs> it, was, it was like, ah. I was like, dude, man, this is like freaking match four, man. Hey, Rob, if you want to side out at any point, don't feel bad. I know it's getting late, so you can go on. <laughs> we got Jake out here and – Pretty much right now, you're about as important as the walk rayon, so you can just feel, feel free to, to pull it out. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, let's keep Did this thing say, going. 
<clears throat> Did you say white crayon? Is that what you said? Yeah, Did I hear correct? White crayon. You did. Right. I love it. I love it. Hey, All right, let's go. Cancel culture's coming at you now. I'm just kidding. Hey, man, I'm not saying I hate you, Rob. I'm just playing around. But I would unplug your life support to charge my phone. <laughs> anyway. Uh, level number five was dog collar match. Woo. On 8 18 <laughs> Bridgewater, Massachusetts at New England Championship Wrestling. Uh, this was probably the most brutal match in the series. I, have, I If I had to pick, uh, these guys really went after it here. Um, the, uh, they, like, they took that chain, like, no lie, go watch this match. They take that chain and they beat the hell out of each other. Uh, and there is a lot of blood, so you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of that if you like that kind of thing. And, uh, and they just beat the hell out of each other. Uh, Pierce does eventually win this match uh, when he wraps cold up and drops the pile driver. It's the one, two, three. Pierce uh, still in this. Correct. Yep. <laughs> So, I don't know exactly the timetable, but this um, this kind of happens around the lawsuit. Things are starting yeah. to get really, really ugly. And this I mean, on my notes, day, Cal, that right between between sometime between August and September, this is the uh, Thar Quillo lawsuit against the NWA for insurance fraud. Now. And the thing about this, too, is so when this is going on, um, NECW originally wasn't going to be uh, the spot where that next match happens. I believe it was going to be Hollywood or a promotion that is affiliated with with David Marquez. And now because well, this loss. OK, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was oh. going to say, I know that the last match in, in championship wrestling from Hollywood when we get to level seven. Uh, I, for some reason, had this at after six, but I could be wrong. I, God, if anybody cares, I'm gonna. I'm just going to tell you exactly now. I found an article by Mike Jossa that tries to summarize this bullshit in the best possible way. I'm sorry, I'm already cursing too. Uh, but basically, this lawsuit was ongoing, and uh, it, it was finalized in January of this year uh but basically the article says the ownership and management of the nwa brand will be transferred from the pro wrestling organization llc managed by bob trobich who pretty much right. saved the promotion going into destruction back in 1989 with the last true member of meaning jim crockett promotions was bought by tbs creating world championship wrestling to a new LLC believed to be headed by R. Bruce Tharp, Chris Rodquio, Kio, and Fred Rubenstein. Torbich so, is now here, out of the company. Here's my question, uh, J. Cal, and I don't want to get too deep into like the the minutia of it, but like Rubenstein, how does Rubenstein get into this group of owners? Because he was a player prior to this and and, and was on the opposite side. So, 
the NWA has always been very red state, blue state. Their uh, allegiances have been very, very thinly held onto. Um, and some guys were always looking at what was best for some guys. Now, uh, I've had Fred on my podcast since, since this has happened. Um, but he was somebody who saw an opportunity and t- took advantage of it, uh, essentially pro wrestling organization um, had been using an insurance depending on who you want to believe, which was supposed to, and and Rob, you might actually know more about this than, than anyone else on here because you, you deal with the school, the athletic uh, department, you might have to deal with the insurance for these buildings that are on campus. But you know, every time the NWA runs a show, buildings require insurance. In some States, you can't run a show without proof of insurance. Um, it's always a good idea. And the NWA had a, a liability insurance set up when it was a much, much smaller organization. And it was actually one of the benefits of joining the NWA is that you got to use this, this insurance. So if, if uh, somebody got hurt at one of your shows, you're covered. Now, they was always meant to be for the smaller audience. And apparently, when the shows start getting larger audiences, uh, these things weren't taken into consideration. Now, the other side of the story that I heard is that um, it's always was a percentage of audiences uh, scaled out throughout the entire year. So when you have a promotion <clears throat> like NWA Hollywood, who's packing 400, 300 people to a show, and you've got a wrestling promotion in Indiana that's lucky to get 28 people, um, that it was a, a, an average. So these kind of checks and balances got everything together. But that's not what happened. Um, and that's not what uh, Bruce Tharp alleged. And again, um, I, I just calling history, history, the, the NWA, uh, you know, the, the, all these agreements were signed in Charlotte, North Carolina. When this lawsuit was, ha- this lawsuit happened, it, they, they wanted to do it in, in Texas and Brownsville where Bruce Tharp was an attorney where he knew lots of judges. If you can see where this is going, it doesn't, it, it feels a little bit icky. Um, but Fred was a member who saw the opportunity and, you know, he wasn't the only member. There were others who, who maybe they weren't members, but affiliates that left like Mike Searcy backed him up. Uh, uh, there was a few other wrestling promotions. Dave Marquez was on the fence and Dave Marquez was offered an opportunity to uh, help these guys remove the old NWA uh, president, Bob Trobich. And when Marquez kind of refused to do that, uh, he became part of the problem. So when they made their lawsuit, um, he was one of the people that was heavily involved in that. So, excuse me. So in the documentary, it almost sounds when, when Marquez comments on this, it almost sounds like a, like a hint of like betrayal almost. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word, but he definitely feels that way. It seems to me. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, this whole thing was kind of, like I said, it was very icky. These guys were all members. They all were shareholders, if you will, about the NWA. And a lot of people didn't like when the NWA split with TNA. And a lot of the NWA didn't like Marquez because he was getting a lot of cachet for what Hollywood was doing and, and being on in a big market and, and, and him having... I don't want to say control, but a lot of say on who the champions were because they were appearing on his shows. So they, it really did uh, 
have a yucky feeling to it. And I mean, I'll be honest. There was. Go ahead. No, no, you go right ahead. Do Do you think that this was this was a were they felt threatened by Marquez? Is that what it announced to essentially? No. Um, what it was is Bruce Tharp had aspirations to to be Bob Trovich. He wanted to he wanted to be the president of the NWA, and they you know there was never a problem with Marquez. And I mean, if you even look, I mean Tharp was using uh, one of David Marquez's uh, original um, creative guys, Carmen Despi- Carmen Despierto who was out of the Midwest, who, you know, part of the guy, one of the guys that was booking Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana back in the early days. Um, he, he booked for Marquez uh, during those arena shows back in 2006, 2007, and he relocated to Texas and he was, he was part of Bruce Starp's company. He was, he was Bruce's booker. And so as, as all this stuff is starting to come to fruition, it, it was never a threat. I, I think they wanted Dave Marquez. It's just that, uh, you know, he was loyal to, to Bob Trobich. And why wouldn't you? Right. Bob Trobich was a, was so an. Why then is there, there's this like Adam Pierce was told essentially ordered that he can't defend the belt on the Marquez promotion after this, if there wasn't a threat or anything. Because I think either, either the lawsuit had been filed already or was about to drop. And I, I think at this point it had already been filed. I don't have any notes with me because I wasn't sure I was going to be here tonight, but um, right. I'm, I'm pretty sure they had already filed it and there was already court documents going on. And I think at this point it was already known that uh, pro wrestling organization was going to uh, transfer its assets to the um, international wrestling corporation Thus, the NWA would be transferred to to Bob to uh, Bruce Tharp. I think that was already happening. I'm sure Gary so can correct me on that. This is when he's told not to go on the Marquez. Oh, it was because he was part. He, he was part of the lawsuit. I'm sorry to cut you know talk over no, you. But no, no, no. Yeah, Marquez. Marquez was part of the lawsuit. So at this point, he was the enemy. At this point, he was. You know, they 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 had a judgment against him, and they didn't want. Right the NWA to have anything to do with Dave Marquez because he had an opportunity to go with them. He didn't do it. And, and you're dead to me. So, so this, but this is not a, I'm threatened by you matter. It's a procedural litigious matter. This yeah. Is matter that it, we're in, we're in litigation. And so, and therefore, because of the, the, because like you said, you know, I, I've dealt with insurance claims a hundred times. We deal with 20 a year. That's just the nature of the business. We have a whole, we have a whole department in our system that just deals with that because it's going to happen. And it's never very rarely is it anything personal. It's usually a formal matter that because we're in litigation, we're not, you know, we're going to, we're not going to be working. Well, and the thing about it is it, the insur- there was never this insurance claim that set this lawsuit off. It just, it's what it, what it always appeared to, to me on the outside was, they found a way to get, you know, they wanted to remove Robert Trobich, but they wanted Texas to get a bigger piece of that pie and they wanted to have a bigger say. And when they found this loophole, they're like, all right, now we have our in. And, and there were Fred, his affiliated promotions were still using this corrupt insurance in the middle of the lawsuit. So how right. bad could that insurance have been if his people were still using it? 
it, 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 the whole thing seemed like a sham to begin with. But again, where it was in the courts, um, the NWA, you know, the, the NWA back then wasn't like just raking in the dough. There, there were, there was no really money coming in except for membership dues and the things they have to pay out, you know, titles and stuff. So it's not like they were, you know, ro- the members were rich. There was just this opportunity. You know, Marquez probably put millions of dollars into the NWA. And yeah, his brand group from being associated with it, but I don't think he's ever recouped the money that he's put into the NWA. And and with that, oh, being, yeah. with, with, with that being said, there wasn't a lot there and the promoters couldn't fight. So they, they all agreed to, you know, instead of you taking money out of my pockets, well, you just take my ownership of the NWA. It was the ultimate, like, well, we don't got money, so I guess we're doing dishes. It's a, it's a matter of a association. And all this, like, all this drama, like, all this is going on by the time that match six happens, which is in uh, – there had been a match. I guess they were expecting either match six or seven to take place in a Marquez, in a Marquez promotion. But as it turns out, uh, match six is in Oregon-Salem. Yeah, well, and, and now that match, that match, uh, what the funny thing is, is at that time, Marquez kind of had a connection up there. Um, he, he, uh, the guy who runs that promotion was part of the family stone going back to, back to the uh, NWA Hollywood. And, and his name uh, is Jeff. I can't remember his last name right now, but he went by Morty on the TV show. So Morty picked that match up in Salem. In fact, my buddy was the referee for that match, Jay Stone. And again, the West Coast Championship Wrestling, um, they were affiliated to the NWA through Marquez. They weren't going to stick around after that lawsuit. So this was, a again, I think they didn't change the match because uh, I just think it was easy to do, but they, they were not going to go back to Hollywood for match seven, which was the original plan because that's where it all started. So, Jay Cal, real quick, I mean, and I don't want again. I don't want to get into too too much minutia, but it's, um, if I remember correctly from the documentary, they were saying that there were six affiliates at the time that slowly began to uh, to drop. There was New England Championship Wrestling, yep, Steel Domain, Metro yep. Pro, uh, NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, West Coast Wrestling, and Warzone, and then it steadily dropped to like two or three at this point. Are you talking about NWA promotions or NWA affil- affiliates? Well, they still were, they still had big numbers in Tennessee and in Texas. Um, in fact, there was a lot of promotions who started gaining uh, more momentum, like NWA Smoky Mountain really benefited from that. There was there was Ring Warriors in Florida, um, but in in Texas there was the uh, obviously um, Chris Ronquillo's promotion, the uh, NWA Houston. Um, branded outlaw wrestling and there were a lot of promotions and then of course we're still talking about uh we didn't even get to new jersey with like uh, promotions like dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators and uh nwa force one so there was a lot of these wrestling promotions still affiliated with the nwa and and the membership was still pretty much intact um new england championship wrestling um West Coast uh, Wrestling Connection. A lot of these were just affiliated through the NWA, through Marquez. Um, that Warzone Wrestling in Australia. Uh, I don't know that they were affiliated directly through Marquez, but uh, again, they played a big role in the, all of this as well. Are they are they paying like membership dues? Because I know that like when Quillo, he was one of the big winners of the of the lawsuit. 
uh, are these just promotions? Are they paying lawsuits? To, or are they are they paying dues to the NWA to be able to, or is so, all that over at this point? So when the when the ownership change happens, and I, I I'm not exactly sure where we're at on the documentary versus what's happened. What what we're talking about, Robert? But when prior to that, there was there was NWA memberships, and these were people who bought their areas. So like David Marquez was the um, membership of record for, for California. He bought the California membership and he was at the time for some time, he was uh, Antonio Noki's proxy vote. So he had Japan and California as votes. And then Ken Taylor had Texas and then Ken Taylor was kind of forced out by Bruce Tharp um, in that area. It's kind of had a history of it. And then Fred Rubenstein had New Jersey and Rick O'Brien had Virginia and Ed Schumann had pretty much the entire Midwest. And um, so all of these areas uh, in Tennessee, it was, um, Oh uh, gosh, I can't think of his name right now. Not important. Mike Porter, Mike Porter. And so oh, there's, yeah. there's all these promoters and in, in, so they're members, they're actual members. Bill Barron's an actual member, but then you also have affiliates in Los Angeles, Dave Marquez had like eight affiliates at one point. He had, uh, well, actually even more than that because out of state and out of out of the country. And that agreement was was led up to the to the member of record and the affiliate. Now, if they charge dues or not charge dues, whatever, um, it was just mostly that those promotions could use the NWA name in your area without any problems. And then there were associates who again were connected to the NWA, but it was loose. It was a looser affiliation. So, right, but the affiliates owed they uh, the the authority was with resided with the members, right? Primarily. And then when the ownership right. when the ownership changes, it went from you buy a membership that, that you pay for a lease, and that lease was only good for a year. And there's a lot of it, like going over the language of those leases, like you basically were surrendering your tape library to the NWA and a lot of these other real wild things you had to book champions. You had, everything was set. So um, you had to change your even referee shirts had to be uniformed. So um, yeah, I, I, if I could jump in here, I mean, I, I was looking at this uh, lawsuit here, like in the article, I had just like tagged in my notes. It said uh, that the, it was designed specifically to target Trobich. And based on his exit, the strategy appears to have been successful. Tharp had only been an NWA member for a short time before filing the lawsuit. But it says, uh, the new management believes they have a plan to revitalize the brand, which as of this writing has very little national awareness. And only one member, Dave Marquez's NWA Hollywood, really makes any ripples beyond their local area with... Uh, recent NWA title changes and regular TV tapings. We kind of talked about that, just like how it's a bigger area than you think, but they they just like act like it's just like a small little thing. Um, but it says, as part of the settlement, the new LLC takes full ownership of any and all NWA trademarks, brands, copyrights, logos, and any physical assets, title belts, etc., online and social media accounts, all intellectual property of the brand itself, all of the NWA business will now go through the new LLC as well. Promoters like Michael Porter and Kitty McCoy will be conceding portions of their territories in Central Tennessee and Kentucky to the new LLC. Beyond that, there are no changes among who is running what area and has rights to the NWA area in that geographic boundary. They will still be required to pay annual dues 
only their areas respect boundaries. Um, the NWA board members who agreed to the are now considered licensees of the brand and will remain licensees in perpetuity as long as they remain members of the NWA in good standing. Uh, now, all licensees are are required to discuss the transfer of power and any members allowed, no members are allowed to disparage the organization or any other publicly uh, or, or they're publicly under threat of having their membership revoked. Sorry. I was trying to read through that, but uh, so, so it went from like this, it sounds like from the shareholder thing, like everybody's got a stake in this. Everybody's voting on to like now truly owned and you're, you're part of, like you, you, I think you guys kind of covered this, but it, like you're paying in to like use the shit, but otherwise you you have no control over anything. And and during this time, it was seriously like Armageddon for all these former NWA promoters. You know their Twitter accounts, Facebook accounts, all of that. The new NWA. Oh, you didn't sign with us. You didn't want to be a part of this. You're dead. And they literally went through and cut all these social media channels: Facebook, Instagram. I don't think Instagram was really a thing yet, uh, but Twitter, they were getting these pages taken down and the, you know, people have thousands and thousands of followers for their promotion. And now instantly all that's gone. Um, really brutal. You know what's funny about that. Did that happen with, uh, I, I know we, we got to get through the seven levels of aid, but did that happen with Billy? Like when, when, no. when they took over the, no, it uh, feels like there were like people that still try to use it like that. Uh, one, that one dude over in Virginia that that runs like the that put out the tweet the other day that you know like uh, this is like a month ago now, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah, they were like, but that, that even Marquez chimed in. It was like, hey man, maybe you should shut up or before Billy comes after you for using NWA. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah, the guy in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, in in yeah, so. So again, these now these all these licensees are, are taking over and they were shutting down anybody who had this NWA name before. Now, the guy in, in, in Charlotte, I don't know how much you want to even talk about him, but he he basically had a deal in perpetuity to use that name. And the old ownership was like, whatever, we don't really care. And Tharp actually came in on him as well and was like, nope, you're not using that name anymore. So his events were changed. But he he never changed the social media, and I don't really know why they didn't go after him for it. But um, yeah, that there he's one of the few guys that kept the initials, and and uh, no one ever really went after him. But it was it was well, crazy. Fe well, fellas, we still got people in the chat and stuff, and people are still watching. So let's uh let's let's get through this thing again. Let's uh let's get to the point that we like uh, communicate with the chat room and uh, and talk about this. We we've, we've gone through the lawsuit, so obviously things are getting out of hand. Things are, things are getting a little, at least at this point. But we do get into the Texas death match at level number six, September 30th, 2012. Uh, now the NWA champion is Adam Pierce at this point. He's defending against Colt Cabana. They go into the Texas death match. Uh, these men hate each other. And one thing I love is no matter what, God bless him. I mean, I know documentaries can be one-sided, but God bless Adam Pierce that he still is like sounding like I'm going to deliver what I promised to the people and we're going to escalate this thing. We're going to fight. And this feud certainly keeps escalating. 
Like, it never stops. This match, level number six, literally ends because Cabana gets set on fire <laughs> and, and Pierce wins. Like, that's – what else do you want? <laughs> it's like that's, that's how they end the Texas death match. It's like, the dude's on fire. He lost. Dawkins actually wrote a song about this match that they used in uh... Shut Your Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Into the fire! (laughs) Into the fire! Yeah. Anyway. All right. Screw it. But, Let's go into number seven. Uh, well, this well, this is the time I had it. Okay. One second. It is after this match, it's after match number six, that the NWA decides that it will, quote, unquote, no longer pursue a relationship with Colt Cabana. It's after this yes. match. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and, you. and actually – no, 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 no! You're 100 percent right, Rod. But I'm br- glad you brought that up because this is actually in the part. Like, if I went to look at my notes here, this is actually at the point where they also were like, "We have no relationship with Colt." Oh, hello, hello, little child. This is this um, is uh, my Piper's notes. Piper, I, I know Piper. Piper's been on my show before. <laughs> All right, Scram. Hello. We're talking wrestling. Yeah. Hey, Piper. You like wrestling? Uh, I'm man, I'm male when I see kids, man. You just like, you just, I'm dumb. Oh, I love I'm kids too. I'm down for the wrestling show, bro. I'm down for the wrestling show. No, we're just hey, a bunch think, of bearded kid you, fans. Like we, we're, we're bearded softies over here. Um, no, no, this is the point though that uh, that yes, they don't want Colt. They make it. Ex- they they express their disdain or their their disillusion with Colt Cabana ever being a champion. They're like, all right, Adam Pierce, you're okay. Like you can hold the belt for a while. And Adam Pierce sticks to his guns. Now again, this is this is what I'm talking about when I when I talk about like, I mean obviously a documentary could be one sided, but God bless it. Like I watch this thing and I'm like, Adam Pierce, you're a man's man and good on you for standing up here. And he's like, no we promised these people a certain thing and we're going to deliver on this thing. And we're going through with seven levels of hate and we're going to keep going. And uh, Colt Cabana, this, this thing was going to a destination and we're going to hit that destination. And uh, so they finally come back to him and they're like, all right, right. Bef- so before you go into match number seven, we need you to stop by West Virginia. We need you to drop the belt to Damian Wade. And he says, Okay, fair enough. You can pay everybody that I've promised I'm going to show up for as the world champion, and uh, you can you can pay for the plane tickets. You can pay for the tickets there, the booking fees, everything else. If you do that, that's fine. And of course, yeah. nobody wants to do that. Uh, David Marquez is even in there. I mean, you know, I mean, what? I don't feel like David Marquez has any reason to lie about this. He's just like, no, he's like, uh, 
even almost separately, David Marquez is in the documentary talking about like, if I know the Adam Pierce, I know he said, Hey, if you pay for literally everything else involved in this, uh, then sure. But otherwise, you know, F off. (laughs) It's it's not going to happen. And, uh, it doesn't happen. Uh, Adam Pierce does not go to West Virginia and drop the title belt to Damian Wade. They end up, they just decide because of the lawsuit, they can't pursue a match, match number seven in championship wrestling from Hollywood, which is where it was supposed to end up. Uh, by the way, I don't know about you guys, but I got like so much more respect and like knowledge about what championship wrestling from Hollywood is from just this whole thing. But uh, he says, uh, <laughs> and shut your mouth. Can, can I interrupt for one second? I, I, I actually just grabbed my phone to look at something and I in quote. Fact, in fact, anytime Rob talks, interrupt. <laughs> and I'm, I'm quoting an email. Um, like I said, I'm not interested in going backwards on film or through a message exchange. It's not of interest. It's ancient history. I'm sure my decline works well for your cause. That's why I sent it. Happy to help. I'm doing better than well. Every year gets better than the last. Continued well wishes for you. Take care. Um, that's actually not what I thought it was going to be, but uh, basically that was Chris Ronquillo um, refusing to uh, um, be a part of the documentary, um, refusing to be uh, on board with that. What, what I was getting at is um, I did see a lot of emails during this time while this was happening, not, not afterwards, not after the show was shot, but during this time, and you could see that the three bozos in charge of the NWA did not take any chance uh, to step over each other every single time. They weren't on the same page, um, but they did not want Colt Cabana. And, and mostly that's because Colt Cabana flat out said, look, I have my schedule. We'll see when I can book you guys in because he, you know, he, he was promised. Now they're, now they're going back on their word. It's the NWA. It's, and in some regards, it's not really those guys' fault because if, it, if you get a brand new toy, you want to play with it. They want to put their spin on the NWA. I just think they were stupid not to want to do business with Colt Cabana. I mean, as far as like people that aren't in a major promotion, like who's the guy you want to do business with? It's the guy with the most visibility. Like it seems to make sense. And he said, I, I think he speaks on that, yeah, in the documentary about like, look, I book months in advance. Like, he's like, if you give me the dates that you need me to be at, I'll be there. But I need to know in advance because I do a lot of my stuff way in advance. That's part of the deal. Like, I work my ass off. I work four days a week wrestling. Like, and so other days I'm traveling. And so it's like, you gotta, you gotta work with me here. And, and this uh, is. It's this is a this is a guy who this is a guy who's wrestling in Japan. I mean, he's wrestling for Pro Wrestling Noah. I, I mean, even recently he started appearing in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not like this guy's a slouch. He's a great athlete. He's a great wrestler, and he's working everywhere, everywhere but the WWE. So that NWA World title could have kept traveling the globe, and there would have been a lot of prestige involved. But again, you know, they wanted to put their own stink on it, and and. And hey, let's drop it to Damian Wayne, and you are already addressing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where they go with it. But of course, Adam Pierce turns that shot down, and he's like, "We're doing this either way." And if it can't happen in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, 
they actually get an offer to go to Melbourne, Australia. And uh, they actually, like, what even more beautiful for those guys, which you have to buy that, like, they're legit human beings. They, like, look at this as, like, well, maybe this is better. Like, it's more international. Like, this is kind of cool. Like, we're going to Australia. And we're going to do the match there. And uh, although the NWA has stepped in now, and they're like, we're not going to sanction this match. The match does take place at Warzone Wrestling uh, inside a steel cage. Uh, NWA is not sanctioning this match. Um, but these guys go into it even about like, you know what? It's not even about the title so much anymore. This one's about who's the better wrestler. And, uh, they got guys, if you can find this match online, they go at it. Like they beat the hell out of each other. And, uh, I mean, there is a, uh, Colt like jumps off the top of the cage, hits a huge splash. Uh, they they just like destroy each other in this match, but uh, but but Colt does hit that splash, hits the Billy Goat's curse, and submits Pierce. Pierce gives up. Colt Cabana wins the seven levels of hate. Right now, at the end of the match, Colt and Adam cut. I think some of the greatest promote promos in pro wrestling. Like I think they, they do a great job here and it, and it would not stand out. Like if you're just like constantly interested in like only WWE, but if you're in, interested in pro wrestling history, if you're interested in the legacy, if you're interested, especially in NWA, this is some of the best stuff ever. They cut these promos where they talk about how outdated the NWA is. Uh, and it's about the wrestlers, not the title. Uh, Pierce ends up, after all of this, Pierce says that Cabana deserves this title. And he hands it to him. And Cabana won't accept the title. He says, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want it. If you don't want it, I don't want it. He tries to mm-hmm. hand it back. Pierce said he made a promise that he would leave the NWA if he lost this series. And Cabana says, well, I'm not taking it. And they both simultaneously, hand in hand with the NWA title, drop it on the ground. And they leave it laying in the ring. Uh, Pierce does go back for a second to like try to give it a kiss, to like say goodbye. Cabana kicks dirt on it, like it's dead. This is how it's going to be. It's dead. And, and they both leave together. And, and, and the cool thing about this, like in, in that moment, it, you go back and listen to the promo because you don't hear Adam Pierce disrespect the NWA. You listen to it. Colt is very uh, aggressive. And, and the story tells you why. I mean, he's, he's pissed because here he did. He, he was promised by Dave Marquez. He was promised by Robert Trobich to be NWA World's champion. They took that away from him, right? The best guy to have the belt. Adam Pierce will tell you that himself. He told me that lots of times on the podcast. And they took it away from him. They pulled the, the rug right from under his feet. Then they, they get it right. They're doing this angle, this storyline that's literally this feud. I wrote it down here. Where did I put it? Feud of the year. In 2012, this was the third runner-up. It lost out to the Aces and Eights versus uh, 
uh oh gosh aces and eights versus uh it, oh, exactly that's the point <laughs> it, it it lost out to 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 cm punk and john cena and and cm punk and daniel bryan those were the feuds that topped it so all three of those were multi-million dollar maybe billion dollar wrestling promotions the third runner-up was a was no promotion guys it wasn't one person Stock feuds, man. They're stock feuds or can feuds. You know, they're just c- con- contrived. You it, know, it, they're it, not real feuds. And the thing, the thing that this feud had that nothing that the NWA can do now is this was grassroots. This was do-it-yourself wrestling. There, there, there wasn't a big backer to the NWA, and I'm not saying that Billy's shelling out millions of dollars for this promotion, but I guarantee you that these guys weren't wrestling for. A lot of money that they weren't getting rich doing the, these shows, man. They were providing for themselves, but they weren't, you know, they weren't rock stars. You know, they they had to get, they had to hustle to get to Australia, and and it wasn't like it was just like, hey guys, come to Australia. No, Pierce had built relations in Australia in the years previous as world champion, and really built built that area again. Pierce did something that no other NWA champion after him, I think, could do, and that was. He was the guy that got these bookings. He was the hustler. He was the one booking himself. He didn't have, uh, it wasn't Bill Barron's getting him matches. It was, it was Adam Pierce. It was that do it yourself mentality. So he never disrespects the NWA. Colt Cabana is, is kicking dirt on it. Mm-hmm. You see, and, and, you see and Pierce says in the documentary, like, well, you, you, you earned it. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he gets it. And, um, go ahead. I... No, 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 no. I just, I don't even know what I think. Like, it's like on one hand, like I love the 10 pounds of gold. I love the NWA, but it's like, God, can you imagine being in the shoes of Colt Cabana during this whole situation? You're like, man, well, screw I, these guys. I, I struggle with this whole thing. Dirt on the, on the NWA title. I mean, it, it, you know, and he, and I get the, the human element. But at the same time, and I think this is a fantastic view, but I think this is an instance where Adam Pierce like elevated. And I, gosh, I don't want to offend anybody. I've never been that much into Colt Cabana. I've, you know, I think this was, this is Adam Pierce, man. Adam Pierce like made this. And, you know, he, th- this was a feud that was really organic. And he, he made someone who, uh, who I think that was lesser than him really raised him up, you know, raised him up and made him into something that's in the, in the lore now of the national wrestling Alliance. I hope and, nothing I've said has diminished Adam Pierce in any way, because I am most certainly talking all kinds of praise about Adam Pierce. I think he's the freaking man after this. And, and again, this, uh, at this moment, like think about the last time we saw the NWA title drop to the ground like that. Right. Shane Douglas did it. Yep. He's vilified yep. by the NWA fans. And I don't think uh, to this day, I don't think most NWA fans have forgiven him for that. But then you have Pierce who by arguably is one of the, the standard bears of the brand of the last 10, 15 years, 20 years. Um, he does it and he's kind of revered for it. That just kind of speaks to the ownership at the time. And you know they were they were thrilled initially with the that video with those comments because they didn't want anything to do with Cabana that that Pierce kept the integrity of the belt but he made that promise um, you know 
this was all the part of their plan and it was working to, you know, like, Hey, now we get distance ourselves and move forward until the fans said, you know, F the NWA, I support these two guys. And, and that's yeah. where things churned. And then all of a sudden the NWA was like, that was wrong. They shouldn't have done that. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that all changed. That mentality changed. Yeah. Well, it's let's like- move into that. Uh, Rob, before you you wrap that up, I mean, let me just throw out there. I mean, uh, just just for a uh, post section on this, and and there's there's even more posts that we could go into. But uh, at at this point, uh, Adam Pierce is a five time NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, and he deserves all the respect in the world, in my opinion. One thousand seventy eight days as a world's heavyweight champion combined seventh longest all time. Uh, he averaged during his tenure, a, a match every 9.2 days during that period. Unheard of in the modern area era, right? Just completely. And by modern era there, I mean like modern era, like back when he was champion, like and, just, and let- let me put another uh, little exclamation point on that. I mean, and this was a guy who took the NWA world title to Germany, to the UK, to Canada, to Mexico. I mean, in many ways, he was doing, setting the foundation for somebody like Nick Aldis. He really was. Cause he, and, and again, his title defenses weren't all in NWA promotions. He worked for everybody and he brought relevance to the title. You him into your town to face Charlie Haas or to face uh, you know there was always that rumored match they wanted to do Dustin Runnels versus uh, Adam Pierce or they wanted to try to get Booker T to, to have a match with Adam Pierce these things obviously never happened but you know they the talents they Pierce would take would Pierce would go to that town wrestle the best guy that they had put on a great match make you believe that he could lose that title made you believe that the stroke could be the next champion, that Damian Wayne could be the next champion, that, that uh, SoCal crazy might be the next champion. I mean, he, he did that and he did it so well and, you know, never, never really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just really drove that NWA brand never really disappointed. And so all this is said and done and, and the seven levels of hate concludes um, the NWA is not just a new direction. It's a new ownership. It's a new everything. The history that was uh, that seven levels of hate, you know, celebrated championship wrestling from Hollywood and, and, and everywhere else. But uh, it was just like, oh, now what's next? Yeah. Well, and let me throw credit to uh, Colt Boom Boom Cabana, too. He's a two-time NWA champion. He reigned for 152 days. I just I, I wanted to note here because I, I put it here. I mean, even that puts him in the top 30 uh, longest reigns of all time combined, uh, which is one thing. But also that Colt, you know, he he is a wrestler I think will go down in history. I, I think despite what anybody thinks or knows like Colt will will be a part of wrestling history and just in the simple fact that he is an independent wrestler and has been through and through for most of his career and carried himself and made a business for himself he has recently settled in 
some might say like sold out to AEW or something like that. Like he's in there, but I mean, this is a dude on the other side of his career. And now he's like finally bought into a promotion and like he's there and who knows where he'll go from here. But you almost have to give him props. I mean, like the guy, the guy has done a lot on his own. He's exactly the kind of self-starter, the self-promoter, the self-motivator that like you want out of an NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the same kind of guy that the NWA looks for to this day. Uh, Colt Cabana did do it. I know, I know we have all kinds of, you know, like he got into comedy wrestling and yada, yada, yada. But I'm saying like as a wrestler, as a man who chose this as his profession, he is successful. He has been more than successful. And he has proven that the avenue outside of major corporations, like he, he deserves some respect as well. And I think that you don't get AEW without Colt Cabana. And I know that might sound like a stretch, but think about it. He was the first do-it-yourself wrestler. He, he was making it without a big wrestling promotion behind him. And that was inspiring the guys like Young Bucks. You know, that was inspiring uh, yeah. Kevin Owens at the time. And that was inspiring guys like, uh, I mean, there's a whole slew of people who started doing the whole podcast. Eddie King said this one I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the Young Bucks took those same principles that Colt was doing and the merchandising. I mean, think about this, that relationship that Colt, uh, Colt massaged with pro wrestling tees. I mean, that was an invention because Cabana using that t-shirt store in Chicago, Illinois. I mean, it really literally, literally the young bucks will tell you like, I've seen it in interviews. They said that they saw Colt Cabana at shows and they were like, that guy has such a line and that guy is making so much money like off of this merchandise. Like we could do that. We could do that same thing. And they modeled what Colt was doing. So Colt, Colt's, Colt's the man. Like as far as that, that stuff goes. And so where, where are we going now? Are Are we done with the seven levels or? No, we're we got, we got done. Two more it's levels. all over. We got two more levels, J.K. I, <laughs> I understand this. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page because, uh, you know, it, it's it's only well, 918 well, where I'm at. Uh, yeah, I mean, and good for you. And, and poor Will <laughs> has to get up. I mean, I have to get up in the morning too, but I, I'm fine. Um, so there, there were two more matches in this series, technically. These guys were not done with each other. They had an opportunity to continue on. And uh, there was a steel cage match. And I I honestly, I tried to follow up on this with Adam Pierce's Facebook page, but stuff was, was done today. Like it was canceled out. So I didn't get to see all of it. I saw the cage match the other day, but I didn't wrap up any information. I saw that, that, that Adam Pierce, like Colt escaped the cage and Adam Pierce like screwed him over and like, pulled it back in and got out of the cage and like that was level eight but but it did eventually lead to level nine which was adam pierce's actual last professional wrestling match right yeah and and the thing i'm sorry i keep jumping no 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 no, 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 don't apologize 
You keep saying that, but I, but I guess that's a little Catholic guilt in me. Um, the the thing about it is, uh, you know, when when this best of seven series ended, like I said, we thought Adam Pierce was signed. We thought he was going elsewhere, and you see him show up in TNA wrestling, you know, during the gut check challenge, and you're thinking, well, that's where he was going all along. And then shortly after that, he's starting to do uh, work with the WWE. And he's making appearances at the performance center, not not as a not as a coach, but as a, a like a, a, a part time instruction. You know, they bring him in to kind of help get this the next generation of WWE talent ready. And it's not a full time gig, but you see him keep popping up there. And now he's back on the indies, and he, and he has this match, this the eighth level, and then we get to the ninth level. Now in Hollywood, he had been he had returned for a while. He'd been feuding with Mikey O'Shea. They've been trying to set this thing up where he was again trying to help build up the talent of Hollywood. And Mikey O'Shea is someone he took an interest in, and uh, was had this feud again that had elements of that Cabana feud where they're the fire and baseball bats and everything else. And eventually, um, Pierce said like, "Hey, I want a shot at that Heritage Championship, the Hollywood Heritage Championship, a belt he held." And he, his his way to get there was that he wanted a shot at the champion. And Dave Marquez said, only if you can beat Cabana. And Cabana says, you if, if you lose, you have to retire. And so Adam Pierce says goodbye. He, you know, his his wife was in attendance. I, I brought the man a, 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 a fifth of a gentleman, Jack, because we had to celebrate the legacy of Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Um uh, it was a pretty cool moment, and you could tell that it was meaningful and emotional. Uh, when the match was over, he said his goodbyes in the ring. Um, that was all pretty genuine. I don't think that was for show. He literally did the old deed and took off his boots, left him in the ring, um, held court ringside for a bit, took pictures with the fans, and that was the last time he wrestled in a in a ring. And it would be easy for us to just sit here and tell you that that like and he rode off into the sunset and nobody has ever seen or heard from Adam Pierce ever again. But that's not true. Adam Pierce currently works for the WWE. Uh he's he's uh a agent for WWE somebody somewhere finally got a clue. They were like this guy know something let's get him in on our team and he probably can't express half the knowledge that he has and we all know it uh it's off just this discussion tonight but he does he's got a pretty good job he's cushy adam pierce is okay everybody adam pierce is getting paid adam pierce just battled and won i think yeah last i heard against yeah. covid 19 well, he, <laughs> he got COVID it 20. he took a beat covid 20 that's what I heard. <laughs> well, but he's still he, out there, man. He's still out there. He's on Facebook. He's accessible. Adam Pierce, you all you need to do if you're hearing this, if we could deliver anything out there into the universe, is you need to go find Adam Pierce on Twitter, on Facebook, on the Instagram. I need to say thank you. Yeah, like you did it. You're damn right. Follow him on the mat on the MySpaces, Napster, Live Journals, Here we TikTok. go. Here we go. Thank you, Adam Pierce. 
No, you need to tell Adam Pierce how much you appreciate him. I swear to God, just go to his YouTube page where he's delivered to you most of, like, at least all seven of the seven levels of hate. And he's given you the documentary for free to watch right now. You can watch all of this stuff and you can appreciate him for the man he is. If you watch that documentary and you don't walk away That's thinking great. that Adam Pierce is the damn man, I don't know what to do for you. I don't know what to tell you. There is you may or may literally. You may or may not cry during the last twenty minutes. I mean, Will was so. I'm not going to cry, but I'm going to sit here right now and tell you that, like, like above everything, if I, I swear to God, a dream match of mine now is Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce. Like, I would. <laughs> I, I would I go anywhere to see that match. I just need that match to happen. Like, that's the match. And, it, and it's like, and, and it's not taken any way from Billy, Lagana, Aldis, anything they've done. These guys tried to do it before. It, pro, it didn't pan out like they wanted it to. But this was the blueprint. All Japan Stan in the chat. I don't know if you're even still there, Stan. But All Japan Stan was in the chat talking about this. Was the blueprint. He said something similar to that. Yes, yes, this was the blueprint. Oh, he said, can the NWA replicate the blueprint with all this? Yes, they're trying. They did. I think they did replicate the blueprint and maybe took it one step further. And maybe with everything else that's happened in the entire world, maybe it has to go again. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that Adam Pierce, Adam Pierce. And Colt Cabana's feud was the start. And people need to know this. This is an important part of the National Wrestling Alliance. And Jake House has been preaching it for years before us. And we're here to solidify our vote behind Jake Hell in that decision that, yes, uh, Adam Pierce is an important part of the NWA legacy. He is one of the greatest world's hip. World's Heavyweight Championship champions of all time. He literally is. And Nick Aldis is an amazing champion. But this is all started with Adam Pierce. And it's like a, it's like it's just building on that legacy. He set the framework that everything else is being built on right now. Um, I, I've been very vocal recently, like uh, when it comes to previous NWA champions and somebody like Mike Rapata will get uh, crap on because of, of, of his short reign and everything. And, and, and it's someone like, uh, you know, Kerry Von Eric gets praise because of the time he had the title. But you have to understand that if it wasn't for those Mike Rapatas of the world, you don't get the Steve Carinos of the world. If it wasn't for, you know, Shane Douglas dropping that belt. We don't get Dan Severn holding that title. So all, all these things happen for a reason. Believe it or not, it, it projected the NWA further and further. After they were the top of the world, you know, they did take a back seat, but it kept building and building and building. And as David Marquez and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood was helping to build Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana, you know, that feud built the NWA. It, it, it what 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 David Marquez did in Hollywood helped make the NWA important that Bruce Tharp wanted it. And that carried on that legacy from Pierce carried on to get Rob Conway in Japan 
to get Tim Storm uh, wrestling throughout the Southwest and Jack Stain. And it, it showed Billy Corgan and David Lagana that the NWA had value, that they could do something with this brand. But, you know, if you, if you subtract that rain from Pierce, if you subtract the seven levels of hate, do we have that? Do we have this, this NWA that we have today? And I don't know what the answer is. I can't tell you, but I definitely believe that when you look back at the career of Scrap Iron Adam Pierce, he pushed the NWA forward. His legacy is that of, of moving the NWA forward. And even though he was quick to leave after that seven levels of hate, if it weren't for Adam Pierce, I don't know that we would have an NWA that we have today. That's right. So, guys, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap this part of it up. We, we are so far beyond what we even intended to talk about right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say this is the end of the podcast portion of this thing. If you guys are in the chat room right now, I see you. You're still there. There are people still in the chat room. God help them all. I don't know why they've just been hanging out with us nerds talking about wrestling for this long, but they're there. And you, if you're hearing my voice right now, you've been listening to the podcast version of this, and you're still here too. And I just want to say, if you want to hang out and talk about this stuff live with us, you can do it every Sunday night, every Tuesday night um, at YouTube.com com slash the nwa pod you can do it you just subscribe hit the little bell icon you get notifications every time that we go live and we'll be happy to talk with you we we are happy to converse with the live chat in fact we're gonna go and strictly just hang out now and talk with the live chat but i gotta give i gotta give props to a guy like will who's been hanging out here and rob stinson and jay cal and myself who all have to do whatever we have to do the next day. So anytime we need to bow out, we can do it. So I want to give, uh, I want to cut off the podcast portion of this thing right now. We'll tell people where they can find you. If they want to talk more about this later, when you've, uh, you know, you're like on a lunch break or something. <laughs> when I'm well, well rested. Uh, right. yeah. Hey, Hey, it's will with one L on uh, social media and, uh, yeah, pretty much, that's where, where I live online. So uh, let me know what you think. Interact with me a little bit. I am going to get the daily shows back cranking up. Uh, I know I've been promising that for a couple of weeks, but you know, it's just been a, a slow news time. But I will say, especially since he's on the show, Jay Cal and I have the Friday hot tag live on Instagram every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Uh, so check that out. We're going to have another fun chat this week so come join us live or if you can't catch it live we will if they ever stop a regular podcast i'll be very mad <laughs> so, uh oh um just kidding uh but yeah if you if you miss it don't we'll, even uh, fucking dream about it jake cal i'm telling you i might have told him i might have told him there's no hey there's no secrets in the bearded squad uh, quad squad if i tell you one thing i expect you all to repeat it. I don't care. Oh. Don't you even dream about it. That's all but, I'm saying. But as as I was saying, uh, yeah. So Friday hot tag, check uh, check out mine and Jake Cal's podcast or uh, just uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Will's mad at me, you know. So everybody's clear. Will's like, oh fuck you. And we're Saturday, all like, fuck Rob, but go ahead, Rob. Sorry. 
I was just going to say, I, I'm happy to announce here, and this might be a surprise to y'all, Jay Cal and I are doing a show on Saturdays now called the Saturday <laughs> Nap. And uh, Jay Cal and I, <laughs> you know, we just like to surprise about- all of you and say, I don't care. <laughs> we're doing it on, uh, we're doing that on the MySpace, just so yeah. you, you guys um, know. We're- it makes sense i'd like i wish you would I'd, like myspace <laughs> still exists and if jay cal and rob announced the show on myspace i would 100 percent i would i would support it <laughs> if you haven't seen hot tag it's good and it's very easily digestible it's 20 minutes man it's not you're not gonna have to dig in for three or four hours like you are on tuesdays and sundays it's fantastic it, they, they, it's good stuff uh, you can find me on twitter at rstinson4 on Instagram at Robert D. Stinson four or excuse me, R D Stinson four. Yeah. And then I'm on Facebook at Robert D. Stinson, but mostly just, just find me on this channel. I I'm here every Sunday night, every Tuesday night. And on Fridays we drop Piper's notes. All of you guys have been guests on Piper's notes and uh, Friday. Well, Will's coming. Will's coming, but Friday we will have Eddie Kingston, uh, talking about Tupac and Broadway and uh, and Nick Aldis, and that will be coming out on Friday. And I'll Dope. be dropping that. Dope. So, um, look forward to that. But uh, yeah, we're just man, heck, uh, bearded quad squad, man. Hashtag NBA fam. Hey, Cal, where are you at, man? Well, uh, you can find my hot wrestling takes at the alliance blog and that's not just on twitter but that's also on facebook instagram tiktok hell i even got a tumblr so uh you can also find you can find my channel uh on youtube.com forward slash the alliance blog and even occasionally i'll twitch but uh i've got a uh, not a great computer so we don't do a whole lot of twitching in this house and uh every uh tuesday at uh uh, five oh five o'clock and two o'clock Pacific. We talk uh, NWA with the pre-party, and you're all welcome to come join us as we get you all marinated and ready for the grill with these fine gentlemen that you've uh, been watching tonight. Jake, how can they, can they find you on on Tumblr? Because I'm looking for you, and all I can find is like uh, hotter than oven and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful on that Tumblr. Safe search, buddy. Uh, it's at the Alliance blog. You should be able to just type that in and find it. But, uh, Did you say the Ass Lions blog? No, no, no. That's something oh, else, wow. my friend. That's something else. <laughs> Ass Lions. Hey, listen, oh, I am at, at this is Gary Horn. It's Horn with an E. The E is silent until midnight. That's what my dad always said. <laughs> that was his joke. Hey, listen, I talk a lot of shit, and I have been making jokes here, but I am not kidding. Like, I am nothing without the three men you see on this show with me right now. Will Martin is one of the best dudes I know. Rob Stinson is one of the smartest dudes I know. J. Cal is one of the most knowledgeable dudes about wrestling I know, period. And it is the absolute truth. I am just lucky to have started a thing and like got got going enough that i met these guys and like got involved with these guys this is the greatest thing i've ever done in in my life besides marrying my wife because she'll probably listen to this later and i'm telling right now besides her 
This is one of the coolest things I've ever done. I, I believe in this more than anything else besides that. And, uh, and this is, this is cool stuff, man. And, uh, any one of these guys, the Friday hot tag, you got to check that out on Instagram. Jay Callen, Will are like two of the best dudes you can hear talking about like just standard opinions on what they think about something going on in wrestling. Like you want to talk to good dudes about wrestling shit. That's where you want to be. And uh, shut your mouth, WWE front row. I see it. Gary is in I love you man mode. No. GFY. GFY at WWE front row. I'm just saying, like, legitimately, yeah, that's that's what I believe. And if, and if, and if Al... Al- <laughs> Gary, you sons of bitches. If alcohol brings out the truth, well, this is the truth, bros. Sorry. Just telling you. Rob Stinson is one of the smartest dudes I know, and I'm happy to talk to him every single time I get a chance to talk to him. And we invited J. Cal on because we knew J. Cal would add un, just like unparalleled amounts of knowledge for for this this specific Gary, discussion. A lot of people can I, can I say this about J. Cal? A lot of people think like Horn Baker is the NWA resource. And he is. He, he is a great NWA resource. But J. Cal is the most knowledgeable man alive. Yes, you are. Don't be humble. Accept it. You are the most knowledgeable man alive. You and, like, David Marquez about the National Wrestling Alliance. And we are proud to call him a family member, part of the, uh, the Bearded Quad Squad. For, that only empowers us, man. Yeah.